3: Oh, good morning, everybody. You notice we, we don't start with a highlight today. We normally start the show with a highlight from the last Eagles game.
4: Were there any highlights from the last Eagles game? Well,
3: yeah, but they were irrelevant. So we're, not, <laughs> we're not playing Jalen Carter. No
4: Jalen Carter touchdowns this week. No, year. I don't think so. So, Mike Sealski, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful Saturday in the Delaware Valley, uh, a day ahead of apparently big time rain. So, Mike, first it was the Niners, and then it was the Cowboys who just bullied them around and pushed them and embarrassed them. And it, I mean, this was not the tough, uh, tight-fought game that I, I had said. I don't think you disagreed. Like, if they lose but lose close, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. It wasn't. It was awful. It was, a, it was a thrashing by your enemy. And the question all week, and I guess I just want to get this out of the way because we've got a lot to get to, but mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance to talk to you is how worried should the fan base be after these two games? Is it that just take a deep breath, teams go through bad stretches, or yo,
4: <laughs> What was that noise? <laughs> uh, you know what that noise was. Um, yeah, I think the fan base ought to be a little bit worried. And it's going to sound strange in the context of what I'm about to say, which is, there is a very good chance, if not a likelihood, that the Eagles are going to finish this season 14-3 and and in the number one seed in the NFC heading into the playoffs. Hello! Right, which sounds wonderful. And as you said, Glenn, if they had lost these two games to the 49ers and the Cowboys, but at least one of them had been, hey, you know, Dak Prescott drives the Cowboys for a game-winning field goal in the final seconds, and it's th- Dallas 30, Eagles 28, that's one thing. To get your doors blown off by the 49ers and then to play as poorly as you did against the Cowboys to me is something else. And I think expectations for this team are not 14-3, and number one seed, let's take our chances. It is and 14-3, number one seed, they have home field, they better get to the Super Bowl, and when they get there, they better win it. And I didn't see anything out of those two games that would tell me, to feel good about a matchup against either the Cowboys or the 49ers yeah. once you encounter them in the playoffs.
3: All right. So it is difficult for me to disagree with you, but I'm going to try, uh, which is I'm going to have a little bit of faith. And the faith is that this team has been winning for two years, really more than that. And I'm really not ready to say that they're done or that they've been revealed. And I'm going to cling to, I suppose, um, that a large part of why they lost, the game against Dallas, certainly. San Francisco was just like, that that game, whatever, they got their doors blown off. There were circumstances that could play into it, but yeah. I, I don't want to make excuses. Right. They got their doors blown right. off. Same thing in Dallas, but they also lost. I mean, it was their own fault, but they lost because their three best players fumbled. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to believe that their three best players aren't going to fumble, and if that doesn't happen, if I cannot expect that, maybe it's going to change. And yeah, they're going to be an underdog when they play Dallas or San Francisco in the playoffs. But they've beaten the Chiefs, and they've beaten the Dolphins, and they've beaten the Bills, and they've beaten the Cowboys mm-hmm. once. And so I am going to choose to believe for now, okay, that let's get back to this Saturday, uh, Monday night around midnight. Yeah, I was going to say it all change. <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe for now that this is a team going through a bad stretch. That is, they're going to recover. Okay. My biggest concern is the defense, and we're gonna, we'll get to that down the road because mm-hmm. the defense could be unfixable. Yes, and I think that's true. But the offense to me is just severely underperforming and you wrote an interesting column that I read today on the uh, Inquirer website that, and if I'm paraphrasing you, so if it's different, if I got it wrong you let me know, Mm -hmm. that the issue is the coaches seem to think, it's not how we coached it's how you guys played and this kind of came out Thursday when Nick Sirianni held a full pads practice, which mm-hmm. I'm okay with by the way. I do that anytime. I'm right. that that that's not the alarm bell to me. To me, the weird part was all right, Jalen, you've been fumbling. We're gonna have you do a falling down drill in front of all of your teammates and the world with the cameras on.
4: And that was odd to me. It was odd to me too, and, and it's part of the reason I wrote what I wrote. Look, Nick Sirianni... Took some responsibility, obviously, for the losses the last two weeks. We have to coach better. But he made it clear you know, we're not going to change anything in terms of the responsibilities that our coordinators and assistant coaches have. Brian Johnson is going to continue to call the plays. I'm going to oversee everything. Uh, there was a lot of pushback from Nick about the idea of diversifying the offense. Hey, we, you know, our offense goes through A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, and if you have a game where they're the only three guys who get the ball thrown to them, that's the way this goes. To me, the holding a full practice on Thursday on a day you don't normally do it and then drilling down on the fundamentals with the franchise quarterback, trying to kind of reteach him how not to fumble, puts this more on, hey, guys, you need to play better. What mm-hmm. we're scheming up is should be working, and you guys aren't kind of carrying it out here, and you need to tighten things up. Now, we're going to have uh, Derek Gunn on later in the show to get into this in more depth, but it's pretty obvious that not everybody in the locker room thinks that. Gunner yeah. had a report in the immediate aftermath of that Cowboys game about players within the locker room saying, hey, look how long it takes for our plays to develop. We need Jalen to get the ball out faster. So there's clearly some doubt within the locker room about the scheme and the approach and the play calling. And I think Nick is playing with fire a little bit here by saying, okay, guys, I'm going to put you through the ringer for a couple of days so that you buckle down and play better against Seattle.
3: Go, he's, 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 he's playing with fire in terms of his players could, I don't want to say turn on him because they like Nick, but you're saying it's,
4: I'm saying it's twofold for him. There, yeah. There's there's kind of two threats to him here. One is is kind of that, that the players kind of go, all right, Nick, you know, we can all see what some of the other problems of the offense are. Are you going to fix those two? Yeah. And then the other aspect that I think Sirianni has to think about is we've been down this road where a head coach stands up for his coordinators and assistant coaches. It happened with or even other people in the front office. It happened with Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. It happened with Doug Peterson. It happened with, with Doug resp- Peterson, with Mike Groh and Carson Walsh, Oof. and Jeffrey Lurie always backs the talent. Generally speaking, he is yeah. not inclined to go. You know what? You can have your coaches. You're right. You know our players should play better. Jeffrey Lurie is more inclined to say, "I paid for Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown, and I should be getting." Uh, a big return on my investment for mm-hmm. them,
3: and I'm not getting it. Changes need to be made. It's a very good point, and and you know a lot of what was going on this week was Nick defending Brian Johnson because there was wow well, they should bring in Frank Reich, which by the way I don't think they should do, <laughs> but whatever you know. But that mm-hmm. that became one of the narratives, or you should fire Brian Johnson and so yeah, on. And so right. I think a lot of it is that. But here's where I think there, there's I think there's there's twofold to this. One is I did think it was. Im- embarrassing to Hertz to have him fall to the ground repeatedly while everybody stood around, Uh, you know, he, listen, he's got a problem fumbling this year and you can work on it. You didn't have to do it in front of the world. Mm. It just seemed really like deliberate to me.
4: Yeah. And I think there is a sense that Jalen has to play better, but how do we say that Jalen has to play better? I think there is a little bit of that.
3: I agree that Jalen has to play better. Right. I don't. I, I, to me, it's difficult to argue that he doesn't have to play better.
4: I, I agree. He hasn't been terrible, but he's made enough mistakes and, and been less than you know razor sharp, yeah. razor sharp that he's yeah. got to play better. Uh, but remember, Glenn, this is a franchise that just went through an episode a few years ago where they didn't know where the line was on their franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. and they crossed it, and he got angry with them and all of a sudden yeah. wanted to leave. So, yeah,
3: I think Jalen's not Carson in that regard, but I get it. Yeah. I think Jalen can can take tough love, which Carson couldn't, but your point is valid. Uh, but he's got to play at the MVP level. He's got to stop turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. He's got to make better decisions. Six interceptions all last year, already 10 this year, 15 turnovers this year. That's, that's hurting you.
4: Fumbles in seven consecutive games.
3: Yeah, but getting back to the scheme – I think there's something to that, and when Bosa said a couple of weeks ago, "like we we figured them out, we, we revealed the game plan, and see if Dallas," I like to cumberge at that. Except that maybe there's something to it. Now you can get caught up in analytics, and just you know, your eyes can gloss over mm-hmm. from all that. But I just want to read you a couple, which okay, I think are interesting. Um, this is is this according to Pro Football Focus? I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carson uh, Carson Wentz, wow! Now you got me saying it. sorry. That's all right. Jalen Hurts has the second lowest expected completion percentage in the NFL um, because he is presented with the second most difficult throws of any quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They have these slow developing long routes where he's holding on to the ball sometimes too long. But where's the slants? Where's the screens? They right. never throw a screen. Where's the quicker developing passes? Where's the curls? This pro football focus again, and I always take pro football focus with a grain too. of salt. Sure. But I'm not going to throw this out entirely. They say that the Eagles are first in the league in successive curl patterns. Mm-hmm. They are 28th in how much they use them. Hmm. Uh, they're running back screens. They are fourth in the league in screen success, which surprises me because it doesn't seem something he does all that well. Twenty eighth and how much they use the screen.
4: And that was supposed to be part of the reason for the acquisition yeah. of DeAndre Swift was they could throw the ball more to their backs out of the backfield with him there. Yes.
3: I'm I don't want to sound overly critical because, you know, they're a good team, but they're stuck in this mire, so I think there is something to it. They have star players all over the field, but they're just using that. To me, when Nick said, you know, we only threw these three guys, it's almost like it's it's an excuse. To not be better at scheming, and I would like to see a little creativity. As you said, we're talking to Derek later. That became one of the things that, that a player, or more than one talked to him, is like, let's get some creativity in there. I think they've kind of lost it. They've gotten a little stagnant.
4: The other thing they've lost, Glenn, that the offense played with throughout last season was tempo. Mm. You would see that offense get into a groove where – Hurts might complete a pass for 15 yards to A.J. Brown, and then boom, the Eagles were at the line of scrimmage, and the next play was already called, and it was a run to Miles Sanders in seven yards, and boom, they're back at the line of scrimmage. They have slowed down the offense this season for whatever reason. Now, I suppose it's possible that part of that is we know what we have on defense, and we don't want the defense on the field yeah. more than it has to be, but you can see it. it is, It is... Rare to see them get into that boom, boom, boom tempo that they had last year. And I think that's part of this, too.
3: Yeah. By the way, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494 to call us and get in and tell us what you think is going on here. In a couple of minutes, we're going to give you a fun opportunity to win tickets. Um, yeah, I just I think that when I look at it and I, I'm i looking for something new and different. He was asked. Repeatedly about the pre-snap motion, yeah. last in snap pre snap motion, yes, their last league in pre snap motion. And he finally got tired of the question this week. I think Elliot Shore Parks asked yes. me, he said Elliot, I'm answering that question every day. Here's the story with that. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that's one thing. And if you focus just on that, like why don't they do that? You lose it. But there are so many plays to me that they could make with this uh, personnel group that they have that would be quicker, faster, get a rhythm get going, and they've kind of fallen into it. Hurts, to me, takes a big part of the blame. I mean, he is holding the ball too long. Mm -hmm. He is doing things that he oughtn't be doing. He's fumbling the ball and so on. But as you said, some of it's on the coaching staff. And the angle that you talked about, which is, it's not like Nick's saying it's not us, it's them.
5: But there's a little bit.
4: A little bit. A little bit. bit. And we will see on Monday night how – much the coaching staff has adjusted through the plays they call and the way they call them. I think the other thing we've, we've left out a little bit here, Glenn, is the offensive line has not been as good this season as it was mm, last season. No, it, I mean, last season, <clears throat> pardon me, it was far and away the best offensive line in the league, and they could run the ball pretty much any time they wanted to. Now, I don't want to go down the road of they need to run the ball more now. We talked a little bit about that last week, but... The fact is that they have not run the ball as well this season as they did last season. They have not protected Hurts as well as they did last season. And those little bit of regressions, whether it's age to guys like Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey, whether it's you lost Isaac Sayamalu, who was really good and really yeah, underrated. Yeah, underrated. I agree. And you you have Cam Juergens somewhat adjusting to a new position and then getting hurt. Just that little bit of... Regression in the offensive line can make a big difference in in how an offense performs. So it's never just the one thing. It's yeah. never just the one thing. Yeah. And I think Monday night's going to be really revealing uh, to see what they fix and how they fix it.
3: Um, just since you brought that up, it reminded me the um, the guys who were down uh, outside the Novacare Center a week ago at seven in the morning with the run the ball. Signs. Yeah. So this week there were like every day there's something new going on there, and that's <laughs> that like become the thing yes. this year. Which is somebody's going to be outside the Nova care every day with a different sign and so on, or a trash can. I just I find that very amusing. <laughs> Eagle fans are great. They, they are. They just, they're just it great. speaks
4: to the fan base and the passion in the city, uh, and the degree to which people care. It was funny. I was telling you before the show. I was at my wife's office holiday party last night, and there was a a woman she works with who I met, and all she did. You know, she buttonhold me for ten minutes. Uh oh. Well, no it was it was great. <laughs> okay. It was great. But no, you have no idea. We are the kind of fans who listen on Saturday and we oh, are screaming, okay, great, at the, screaming at the screaming at the T V every Sunday. Yeah, that's our people. Um that's, yeah, and it was just a reminder that's our people. of uh Of what this market is like.
3: All right. One thing before we get to the callers and Tom and Jay stick around because I promise I will get to you, which is, you know, I'm currently in a play. Young Frankenstein at the Players Club of Swarthmore. You opening night last night. We had 250 people in the audience. It's really good, fun performance. Uh, There's a very talented group of actors and singers and dancers. It's the Mel Brooks musical Young Frankenstein. How do you you beat that? Can't. Um, it is playing tonight at 8. It is playing tomorrow at 2. It is playing throughout the month at the PCS Theater in Swathmore. For tickets, go to PCSTheater.org. And we're giving away tickets. pair of tickets today to whoever gives us the best of this. And we're going to talk about stupid rules. And the reason this comes up today is because Troy Vincent, former Eagle, who is now the executive vice president of football operations for the league,
4: He's a rather powerful fellow.
3: He is. He is. Uh, Told reporters this week that the league is, quote, looking into the fumble out of the end zone touchback rule. Mm -hmm. And it's my most hated rule in football, maybe in all of sports. And it is simply if a player is running for a touchdown at the one he reaches or whatever, he fumbles the ball, crosses the plane of the end zone, but goes out of bounds. The result is a change in possession. The other team gets the ball on their 20-yard line.
4: Yes, it's a turnover.
3: It's nuts. It's warped. It's twisted. It is it is outdated. It's a bad idea. I've seen it too many times when it happens, and it just changes the whole nature of the game. It is too severe a penalty for a guy who's an inch away from a touchdown. It helped the Eagles in Week 2
4: against the Vikings. Justin, Justin
3: Jefferson. Jefferson. I know. Out of the end zone. That was great. I liked the <laughs> rule at that moment. It was fine, but generally I don't. To me, there's one of two things should happen. Either if you, if you insist the defense get the ball, they get the ball where the guy fumbled it. Mm-hmm. So if he fumbled it at the two and it rolled out of the ends and they get it at the two, or it's a 15-yard penalty on the spot penalty on the offense, he fumbled out of bounds from the two, the offense gets the ball at the two minus 15, 17. That's it. I hate that rule. I hope they change it. By the way, Vincent also said,
4: who said we're going to outlaw the tush Push? Yeah, all of a sudden. Enjoyed it
3: was, that. Uh, that was... and, and Goodell said, like, I have no opinion on this. That'll be the new
1: <laughs> least favorite rule if they change that.
3: That'll be the new one next year. That'll be worse than the touchback when right. they fix Remind that. Remind us when we do this show next year. Th-
1: the tush Push, yeah. 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 yeah,
3: but they haven't outlawed it, so we're good. So, whoever gives us the, the the rule you want to change in sports is going to win the pair of tickets to see Young Frankenstein. PCS Theater, go to PCSTheater.org. What do you got?
4: Well, two things. Number one, the only caveat to the rules changes uh, a listener can suggest is we are taking off the board the ghost runner in extra innings in Major League Baseball. Yeah, good idea,
3: because that's too easy.
4: it's so obvious and such a no-brainer that don't even mention it. Yeah. Do you want me to give the rule that I would change? Hold it. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's hold
1: it. Let's hold it. Okay. I was very intrigued by uh, this play, but I saw your Instagram post yesterday. I got to see this thing now. Oh, my play? Yes. Come out. No, I'm, go- no, I'm talking do- about your, your Instagram photo yesterday in oh, the play. yeah. Very intrigued by it. Yes. Yeah. It's me uh, <laughs> me
3: putting my hand on the uh, seven-foot-tall monster's crotch.
4: Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, now
3: I have to see it. That's <laughs> the reason you want to come see it? You I'm- need to see me lay my hand on a guy's This crotch? is an
4: X-rated play? I don't know.
3: That's no. what you're. That's the photo you're promoting. I also. Yeah, well, I also get to kiss the girl, so maybe I'll put oh, that one. Oh, that's, you there should you put go. that one there. Right. All right. Okay, there you go. What is this play rated? Tom... Uh hard PG. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Tom, you're with us. What's going on?
6: Hey, guys. Hey, not Listen, if you don't think that this is not coaching, then I, I've i gone to two games okay, so far, and I've seen it. When a player is screaming for the ball to be snapped to him, and the ball... I'm surprised that they don't lead the league in delay a game, because I have never seen a quarterback stand now. What could that be? He doesn't like the play that's coming in. He's deciding in his mind that maybe I should make an adjustment because this play isn't going to work. Depending upon the defense that I see, when I'm on the field myself, okay, they do nothing. Shanahan completely taught them what a coach is. First of all, you put guys in motion. You disguise things. What he did with Samuels was incredible in that game, okay, and they had nothing to figure out. The other thing is, too, is losing two major coaches, that's a hit. The yeah. other thing is, I would have never signed both of those cornerbacks. What I would have done was I would have kept Gardner at safety, and I would have kept the linebacker. Because if we're going to go back to the same old Andy Reid theory, which cost us probably a couple of Super Bowls, I mean, that you don't need linebackers All right. or this. All no.
4: right, hold okay, on. Tom. Take a breath, buddy. Take, take a breath. Cup, couple of things. Couple of things. I don't think anybody looked at. Let's take your point about the cornerbacks. I don't think anybody looked at. James Bradbury coming back as a bad move at the time. Uh, I, maybe you agree. did, maybe you did, but you might be the only Eagles fan or Eagles media member hey, who let, saw let it here. as a bad move at the okay. time.
6: Okay, let me just say this, though. I would have done something where you didn't tie up as much money, and I would have figured out a way to keep the linebacker and CJ DJ because they now have no—you could talk to me. I love—I love to— right. love. The, I love All the right, All right the here's, here's the
4: th- Here's good, the stuff. Thing, though, Tom, good, good stuff. Good emotion, Tom. Here, here's the thing, though. Um, if you keep C.J. Gardner Johnson, assuming he wants to be here, mm-hmm. uh, if you keep T.J. Edwards, mm-hmm. assuming the Bears aren't going to outpay you for a linebacker, which is what the Bears do, and part of the reason the Bears have been a galactically awful franchise for the better part of twenty years, because they overvalue linebackers.
3: Uh, I would argue it's because they never have a
4: quarterback. Well, that but okay. too, but. Anyway, be that as it may, even if you keep those guys and you let Slay and Bradbury walk away, okay, then you need to go cor- go yeah. find cornerbacks, and the likelihood is we'd be complaining now about the cornerbacks who had to replace Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Edwards,
3: I loved C.J. Gardner Johnson. He seemed that he wanted to leave, and he asked for a ridiculous number, But by the way, he didn't get. He ended up putting, right. you know, pennies on what he thought he would get. Um, I would have paid him what he ended up getting, but I think that divorce had already occurred. Yeah, I think as so, As far too. as Edwards, I wanted him to keep Edwards. Just keep one linebacker who mm-hmm. can play. He's $6 million a year. That's not a ton. The other thing that I also have heard, though, is he's from Chicago area and was delighted right. to go back there. Yes. And if that's the case, there's nothing you can do. 215-592-9494. Mike sealski Glenn Mackinac. We're going to break down all aspects of the Eagles. We will at some point today get into the other three teams the Flyers and Sixers are playing well. Sixers made a bit of a controversial decision, uh, extending the general manager. The Phillies may
4: be in the market for Yamamoto. Oh, I think they are. Ooh, that would make the
3: the offseason pretty damn exciting. We're going to talk to Derek Gunn at 11 and Trey Thomas at noon. Oh, looking forward to those two. And you, 215-592-9494 on 94WIP. Mike sealski Glenn Macknell Let's take a call or two and then we'll talk a little bit about the defense because, well, the defense is, is a big problem. Yes. Actually, Jay in Newtown Square wants to talk about that. Hey there, Jay.
2: Perfect segue. Yeah. Good morning again. Mike, you really threaded a needle stepping into the shoes you did in that role, but you did a great job with it.
4: Thank you, Jay. It's kind of you to say. Yes.
2: Um it, it, to your point, Glenn, um, I feel like 90% of the conversation is about Jalen, and he's about 10% of the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our eyes do not deceive us. We're right, right now, we're seventh in points in the NFL. When we won the Super Bowl, we were third. After the next four games, it stands the reason we're probably going to finish in the top five in points. In points allowed, we're in the bottom five of the NFL. Yeah. When we went to the Super Bowl. We were the second best. Yeah, I feel like the defense is so bad. That people are almost giving up and saying, "Well, Jalen, you need to be a miracle man." You know, I agree. You, just, you can't. Yes. Ever turn yes. And
3: that is that is what I think. Here's the thing: in the la- this is a scary thing. In the last three games, the Eagles' opponents have scored 19 times on 30 possessions. Yeah. Yep. Um, so my answer is, I just think the defense doesn't have the horses for them to win. Uh, you know, Mike discussed it earlier a little bit. I think the offense is just going to have to outscore everybody. That's how they beat the Bills. That's how they beat the Chiefs. I think the offense is just going to have to get itself fixed, and we're going to just have to say, they're going to. The, can they overcome the defense?
4: Yeah, Jay, I think you're right on the money, and I think that's part of the reason that the discussion is getting framed the way it is. There's a feeling that the offense can be better at the same time that, well, the defense is just what it is, and it's not going to get any better. It's this bad, and it's just this bad. So... If the Eagles are going to have to win games – if they're going to win games, they're going to have to outscore teams, and how can they improve? It seems like the offense can get better and the defense can't. When we
2: talk about drops in production, last year we finished with the second most amount of sacks in the history of the NFL in one season. We went from that to this. I mean, as a defensive philosophy, Howie, I love him, best GM of any sport in my life in 46 years in the city. But the philosophy of don't give up the big play and just get cut to death underneath—it's just not, gonna well, it's not up, going
3: to win. Well, you bring up you bring up the drop in sacks, and that's a, oh. By the way, do you have a, a rule change that you really want to yes. see?
2: Yes, very briefly. Um, the concept that in the NFL you can—you know—the margin of victory is so slim, and you can still win in overtime on just getting a touchdown because you won the the the, the, the coin flip. Mm-hmm. Beyond belief to me. There's got to be a better not way to win
3: in a coin yeah. flip. I think that's a, certainly a valid guess.
4: Yeah, I, I like that, the idea that coin flip, your team wins, you drive down, you score a touchdown, the game's over, the other team never touches the ball. It's not the worst rule I've I've seen. I have one that's that's different and I think is worse, but it's not a bad uh, it's suggestion. a good contender.
3: All right, so he brought up the, the drop in sacks, which is definitely a thing, and to me— a lot of this is just on the defensive line because they do have the horses. Now mm-hmm. I think they're tired. Yes, because they've been playing so much and they're 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 down. Um, but that brings us to the stupid football. And from your
4: perspective, it's pretty stupid.
3: Uh, okay, all right. Let's just let's get there. It's the second quarter. The Eagles are down seventeen to three. Maybe still in the game. Dallas has the ball at its own thirty-six yard line. Dak Prescott's going to go back to pass. Here you go. Back goes Prescott again. He fired. It's knocked away. Hassan Reddick. Yeah, he was got right him. there. He got him. Oh, was that the sack or was that the I don't throwaway? Know. I don't, I'm it? not sure that's the play I wanted. No, He <laughs> got a sack on that. That's a sack? Yes. Oh, okay.
4: All right. All it right. sounded like Prescott. So, yeah, no, okay. Well, cracks him. Yeah. that's a sack.
3: Didn't sound like a sack, but that's a sack. The uh, first of two. Yeah, well, let me get there, all right? So so the next play is second and 16. Prescott finds Lamb for 10. He beats Darius Slay. By the way, put that name aside for, for sure. the future. Oh, runs.
4: I know you are. Loaded for bear on Darius Then, Slay. then
3: Just call him Slay. <laughs> then there's a defensive, uh, there's a pass interference call on Keeley Ringo, followed by a face mask on Keeley Ringo. My Georgia guy gets to play, and look what he does. And not only that,
4: the guy he was covering caught the ball.
3: Yeah, if you're gonna do a face mask, at least stop. Exactly. Uh the Cowboys end up scoring with twenty seconds to go in the first half. They're up twenty four to three and going in. Game over. The sack didn't mean anything. Game over, maybe the bet's over. So you're up to eleven with Reddick, who had a junk sack at the end of the game. Blue
4: dart in the scorebook, my friend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they all count. Yeah. So the bet, in case people don't know, is Mike has sacks by Hassan Reddick, who had None the first two games, the first three, three games, first three games. games, and has had 11 since. He's doing his job. Yes. I don't know about anybody else, but he's doing his job for you,
1: certainly.
4: Definitely for me. I, I do.
1: He he found out about the bet, and then
4: he woke up. Yeah. Well, he, no. He, he did find out about the bet. He, he knows about the bet. He had already picked up a couple of sacks when I told him about the bet. I do wonder if, how can I put this? He has 11 sacks. And the defense is not playing well. And I do wonder if there is a feeling that he is getting sacks and prioritizing getting sacks at the, at the slight expense of the defense as a whole. Josh Sweat spoke after the game in Dallas about not everybody playing together as a defense and, taking care of each other in the field. Josh did not mention who he was talking about. It's possible mm. he wasn't speaking about Hassan Redick at all. Uh, but it's just something to think about.
3: Well, mm. that's interesting. I mean, it's, it's like the Jason Babbin days. Right. When Babbin didn't care about anything but that. But, I mean, that's Reddick's job. I, I yeah. think Redick's doing his job fine. I don't know what sweat meant, but... It, 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 yeah, more and importantly, you, can, you can't get,
4: question Hassan Reddick's no. effort. I mean, yeah. that guy is, is more, giving everything he's got every play. More
3: importantly, I'm getting nothing from my Georgia kids. And, and uh, and by the way, Sweat's having a pretty bad year. Try not to line up offsides for once, please. Yeah. Thank you, yes. okay? Sweat, who was so good last year and started the season well, is playing poorly. Uh, as is pretty much everybody on that defensive line. Uh, Jalen Carter, well, listen, Jalen Carter picks up that. Do you have that fumble for a touchdown? Yeah. Okay. Let's play this because okay. I got I got a question. Okay. All right. So this occurs in the third third quarter. quarter yeah. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Jalen Carter, Georgia. Game on! So it we, was the opportunity. It so was. We thought, yeah. So here is my question: I get nothing for that. No, you don't. I don't get a sack for no, that. No, you don't get a sack. We, uh, the, the bet uh, was yeah, sacks. The bet was not sacks well, and explosive like, yes. plays by defensive yeah. players. This is the equivalent of you when the bill when uh, uh, Josh Allen had the grounding thing and your guy didn't get exactly. It. Right. Exactly. Anyway.
4: I will say the guy who's hurting you most, I think. Yeah. And one of the biggest puzzlements, I guess you'd say, on the defense is Nolan Smith. He can't get on the field. And now he played a little bit more, has played a tiny bit more the last couple of weeks. But part of the issue, I think, with the defensive line is, yes, the the entire defense is built on get pressure, play with the lead, send all these hungry dogs after the quarterback, and those things aren't happening. And Brandon Graham is a year older, and Mm -hmm. Fletcher Cox is a year older, but... You have to fill in behind those veteran guys, and Nolan Smith hasn't done it.
3: And you cut, basically waived a f- Derek Barnett, yeah. a first-round
4: pick with with no backup plan, right. which to
3: me, the backup plan I would think was Nolan Smith. By the way, is he caught on anywhere? Did he sign with anybody? Do we know? Let's check that out. Yeah. I would like to I, know.
7: I don't know off the top of my head. All
3: right. Warren in Gwinnett Valley, you're on with Mike and Glenn.
7: Good morning, Mike and Glenn. Hey, Thank Warren. My Hi, call. Warren. Hey, are we missing uh, Shane Steichen and uh, Jonathan Gannon yet?
3: Uh, yes and no. That? I say yes to Steichen. I still don't think. I, I don't think the issue on defense is the coordinator. I mean, it is. I don't want to absolve him, but I think. I, I think the bigger issue on defense is personnel.
7: Oh, absolutely. But I was just wondering what what both of you thought about the the, the play calling. Clearly, um, I think is part of Jalen's issue. That I, I think what Mike said earlier about the. The tempo is really, really important to Jalen, and um, i I think that that is part of why he's struggling with um with the fumbling and the interceptions that he doesn't have the the speed to to do what he needs to do to um to get that rhythm that that really is so important what
4: What and were I'm- we talking about the entirety of last season, Warren, both heading into the season and then throughout it as Jalen played as well as he did it was the first time in his college or professional career that he had the same play caller for the second straight season. And I know that Jalen and Brian Johnson are close and have a long history together, uh, have known each other since Jalen was a young kid, but this is Johnson's first season as a play caller, and that speed and that crispness just hasn't been there all season. And again, it's not just the play calling. It doesn't take much of a regression in the offensive line or uh, a little bit more familiarity of opposing defenses with what the Eagles want to do to get that offense back on its heels just a little bit.
7: Absolutely. And, and when the defense has less time to make adjustments, you know, if our tempo is up, I think that could be all the difference that the defense doesn't get on us as quickly as it does um, just on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the defensive side of the ball, if Sean Desai can't, you know, do better with what he has, then if Jalen Hurts can't keep these offensive drives eating up clock, um, fortunately we're playing lesser uh, yes. opponents. Yes,
3: the next four weeks is a good chance for them the to get well. Like
7: you yeah. guys are saying.
3: Yeah, lesser, but not as lesser as we once thought. Do you have a rule change that needs to be made in sports?
7: I do. Um I want to talk about the offside penalty in particular, that it just seems um, too arbitrary. And that that scandling penalty that cost the Chiefs the, the potential win um, when it wasn't being called on them the entire game until that play. Um, and, yeah. and then you know, how the rule is supposed to work. That scaling is supposed to look at the judge. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed the, to say.
3: I got run. I got to run, I'm hitting a break. I don't think it's the rule. I, I think it's no, the unequal enforcement of right, the rule. Right, right. Last thing on that, because we do have to go to a break. So Patrick Mahomes throws a
4: tantrum. Yes.
3: And one of the things he says is, how do you not call that all game, and then you call it at the end of the game? And somebody, I would love to give credit because I don't know who it was, was clever enough to go back to the Super Bowl where all game, nobody's calling, def- holding on the secondary. Yep, yep. And in the very last minute, James Bradbury touches a receiver. And <laughs> you see you Patrick sure Mahomes pointing his hand. That, that, call that, call that. And they did. So, Mahomes, bleep you. <laughs> that's all I got. 215 592 949. Wow. There you go. That's, okay. well That's what I got there. Uh, Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack. Now, I had a chance to catch up with the great people at Meridian Bank this week, along with their business banking partners, customers. Uh, and over the years, I've met several business owners who work with Meridian. Every time I am blown away with how highly these people speak of Meridian Bank and their relationship, I'm not surprised. I know the people at Meridian. I work with Meridian. Meridian. And they are the preferred bank of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself is entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas. They know how to understand innovative thinking. They're like you. Learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mac. Now, let's take Nick from Collegeville, and then I, okay. I, I want to apologize to our audience for something. Oh. Uh Nick, what's going on?
8: Um so I,
3: I agree with everything that I've heard already this morning. Um, that's because we're brilliant, Nick.
5: Well,
9: yeah. First of all, let's go to your your, your change your change your rule change before I get to my evil point. Uh, I, I like that because it's got to be 15 yards from the spot of the foul, which is
8: where the fumble happens. Or oh, I mine! Yeah, the fumble
3: shot. out of the end zone. Yeah.
8: Yep. Right. Yeah. Or it's or
3: it's whatever the down was. Boy, that's the longest of long shots. You might have a little more
4: confidence than I have. I do. I think that John Middleton is building his Jurassic Park here. He will spare no expense. And I think the Phillies are in on Yamamoto. I think they will make whatever adjustments they would need to make to their pitching staff and roster to accommodate what they would have to pay Yamamoto. Uh, I think Middleton wants that bleeping trophy, and he's going to spend whatever he needs to spend to go get it. And if they don't get him, it's not going to be because... They were cheap about it. They're, it'll be because he had wow. to go somewhere else. I think they defer
1: ninety-five percent of the money. Like how plays. Yeah. yeah, he
4: doesn't have quite the endorsement
1: deals that Shohei. The has Shohei Otani paid. has to make two million a year. Yeah. No, but
3: I, I, that would be that would turn this off season from meh to hello. I'm, I'm now now you got my attention,
4: right? Because there are only so many opportunities anymore now for them to go to make you go hello because they've already spent so much yeah. money yeah and they kept
3: Nola, and they're probably gonna extend Wheeler, and that's mm-hmm. really the top priorities, exactly. but if you add Yamamoto to that rotation, yeah, baby, yeah, all right, so I apologize because that, a lot
4: of good stuff there that, that kind of covers as
3: much as we're gonna if you wanna call about any of those, please do, and we'll definitely take your call, but we'll probably get into something late in the show, but we gotta we gotta stay on these Eagles team, which Jack and Newtown's got some thoughts on
10: well, Jack and Newtown is now on his way to Belvedere, New Jersey, so um. Where where would you rather be? Uh, Back in Newtown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mike, I think you were we're both LaSalle grads. I think you and I were uh, classmates.
4: What year did you graduate, Jack?
10: 1966.
4: 1966? You were classmates. (laughs) Yes. You were four years before my dad graduated from there. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. That's okay. I appreciate it.
10: All right, Hey, and if LaSalle wins tonight against Miami, will they be in the top 25? Because they're 8-2. Miami's, I think, ranked 24th or 25th. I,
4: I don't I think sure. their strength of schedule will get them there, Jack, but Fran Dunphy's yeah. doing pretty well there. He him. certainly he is. is. Good for Fran. And
10: I was, I, truly, I was against that. I wanted uh, – uh, got it. I lost his name. I've- That's okay,
3: because we got to move on to the Eagles because I'm two okay. minutes from a break.
10: The Eagles, Dallas Goddard, his being back, I think, is going to make a significant, significant difference – in the offense going forward, one game back, you know, he had to get back into it after being out, what, four or five weeks?
11: Mm-hmm. I think
10: it's going to make a significant difference. And if I may, when when teams tie at the end of the game, instead of doing what they do, each team gets the ball on the 30-yard line. You can either score with a touchdown, a field goal, or not, and the other team gets the same opportunity. And if they don't score, it ends in a tie, and that's it. Games don't
4: go on forever. And it's, I think, a fair... Bring back the tie. Yeah. Uh, All right. Jack, you're saying that for both the NFL and for college football. Yes, I am.
1: Okay. All right.
4: I like it. I like it. Um, And I'm not biased that he's a little. Well, college
1: football kind of already does that. They they, give it at the 25. Yeah, but you can just keep going back and forth. Yeah. So, well, and there's ties in the NFL. Yeah. Yes. I don't like the NFL. Just because- tell Donovan McNabb. He's yeah, not he's, a- he's not sure. I, I
4: don't like the NFL, like, we're only going to play 10 minutes. and then there Yeah, they shortened it from
1: 15 to 10, and now you also can tie, like, an opening drive field goal. You can tie- So there's an increase in ties now. Yes. Is what it's caused. So it sounds like your opinion on these rule changes, because most of the ones we've got so
3: far concern the NFL on overtime. Mm-hmm. You, you, you will I- be perhaps willing to award the tickets to somebody going in that direction. Yeah, well, I actually have a different NFL one
1: that hasn't even been mentioned. Okay.
4: I, I don't I, – mine is not an NFL-related rule change.
3: Best suggestion for a rule change today wins tickets to see, well, me and a lot of other people <laughs> in the play in the hilarious Mel Brooks musical Young Frankenstein based on the hilarious Mel Brooks movie Young Frankenstein playing now through December 30th at the Players Club of Swarthmore. For tickets, go to pcstheater.com. i got a show tonight after, after
4: the show. I'm going to make espresso. <laughs>
3: uh, you may hear me say that in that show. 215 592 Coming up, we check in with our pal, Derek Gunn. There are very few people whose opinion on the Eagles I value more than Derek, so we'll get his take right next Agreed. on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macknow. Now we are endeavoring to uh, reach Derek Gunn. Um, all we know he's getting a call from an eagle right now. Could text, be. excuse me. Could be. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, a couple things here. Uh, and by the way, 215-592-9494. We talked about Hertz needing to play at an MVP level, which I think he does. I think one of the best guys in analyzing all of this stuff is Dan Orlovsky.
4: Yes, he's um, very good. He's
3: really good. And he, he did a breakdown of three plays earlier this week on um, NFL Network. And basically concluded that what Hertz is too often doing is passing up completions to try to find other completions. Mm-hmm. To find tougher, low-percentage throws downfield. And Arlovsky believes that Hertz is thinking, my offense isn't working the way I want it to, so i got to force it. Mm. Um, and, I mean, quarterbacks go through rough stretches. It yeah. happens. And maybe that's what's happening here with him only throwing to three receivers all day or for going.
4: You know, he's going for the hero ball a lot. And and it worked a fair amount last season. I mean, how many times did he throw the ball up to A.J. Brown in really tight single coverage or double coverage? And because A.J. is so terrific, he would come down with the ball.
3: And work through the first half of this season. Exactly. A.J. Brown's getting 150 yards a game in these incredible catches. And A.J. Brown is a great player.
4: Yes, yes. And Devontae Smith can do it, too, and has done it. Uh, so I think there's probably a lot of truth in what Dan is saying. And you're right. Dan is very sharp and, you know, reads game film better than anybody. Uh, I do think it would be helpful both to Hurts and to the offense for him to take some of those higher percentage easier throws if they are there. I understand they want to score. I understand they want to feed A.J. and Devontae and even Goddard down the field to a great degree. But if you start connecting on those shorter routes, the defense is going to have to honor that too, and then you would think things would open up for A.J. and Devontae down the field. All right.
3: Um, As I said, you call us now. We can talk about all of that stuff. We've covered so many issues with the Eagles, and we really do want to know your opinion uh, you think they're going to be just everything's going to be okay after tomorrow? Uh, go to uh,
4: Seattle. I don't know. Geno Smith, S- Seattle's got a lot of weapons on offense, and we've spent a good part of the first hour of this show talking about how much the Eagles' defense is struggling. Yeah. They're going to be able to cover D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith-Niba. Um, uh, it's going to be a challenge, I think. All
3: right, well, let's talk with our friend Derek Gunn and see what he thinks. Derek, how are you today? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? We're all right. It's Wonderful always, always a pleasure to, ca- to catch up with you. So it's...
9: Likewise. I've been way overdue. All
3: right. So I want to start with something, actually, we were just talking about, which is, you know, our, our belief or non-belief that the Eagles are going to be okay, and we kind of looked at it. By the way, let me just introduce Derek. He is the co-host of Sports Talk on Jacob Media. He is the host of the Gun on One podcast on Inside the Birds. He is a tremendous grill master. Fish, uh, fisherman, cheesehead. I don't. Know, what else am I leaving out there?
9: I covered it all. I, I think you covered it all, my friend. Rack
3: and tour, and man about town. There you go. All right. Considering the current state of the Eagles' past defense, yeah. How nervous or confident should people be with them facing Metcalf, uh, Lockett? It's, it's Najiba is how you pronounce it. I right? think so. Kid? in in Jigba and Jigba, Jigba. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Fant. All of these guys, they're they going to survive that
9: um i'm on the fence to be honest uh-huh. um i i look at seattle's overall numbers on both sides of the ball and it, it, it's understandable why they are six and seven right now but uh they do play better at home uh that place is one of the loudest places in all the nfl to play in and the eagles historically have never played well there um you know every year is a different scenario but when you consider the way they've played the last two games, and let's face it, they went up against two of the best defenses in the NFL. Seattle's defense is far from that. Um, I like the sense of urgency, but but then again, they said the same things after they got embarrassed by San Francisco. They go down to Dallas and lay an egg. Mm -hmm. Now, I I had mentioned several times, when you look at the gauntlet they had to go through, they played three strenuous games in a span of 14 days the schedule makers did them no favor in terms of how they st- structured their their, their, um, their season. But, you know, the players are not going to use fatigue or tired uh, as an excuse. They they will tell you, as we've heard, they simply got their butts handed to them. But I don't like this trio of receivers against them. I think the biggest thing in their favor is Geno Smith is dealing with that groin injury. If they can get pressure on him and force him to move right and left and, and irritate that thing, Um, I think that bodes well, but then again, we haven't seen them get good pressure on quarterbacks in in recent weeks, and and that concerns me.
4: Gunner, what did you make of the way Nick Sirianni has seemed to be handling this two-game losing streak this week? We saw on Thursday that he put the team through a full practice on a day when normally they would just have a walkthrough, and during the time that the media was available and allowed to witness practice – he had Jalen Hurts' practice falling to the ground and not fumbling. It seems to me there's a little bit of, hey, you guys need to play better here. We need to brush up some stuff. While at the same time, yeah, I, I know Nick said they, the coaches have to coach better, but there wasn't a, you know, we need to rethink how we're calling plays or running the offense. What what have you made of the last couple of days here?
9: Um. Basically, he's, he's telling these guys there's a sense of urgency. Um, and the things that we've worked on in training camp, somehow, way, we've gotten away from those things, ball security, uh, gap control, things of that nature. I have no problem with that, and, and I don't think the players do either. When you look at this team, the one thing I love most about this team, Mike and Glenn, is they're self-accountable in a lot of ways. You have a great core group of veterans who hold these guys accountable and when you're a team that came within three points of winning the Super Bowl, you want to get back there and rectify what didn't go right for you last time. Now, I understand that we, we all have questions and critiques about this team, but they're 10-3. Uh, the schedule is so favorable for them their last four games, but they have to go out and execute. Um, I get that. Um, Jalen has fumbled last seven games. What do you do? Go back to the basics. Um, And if he's the leader that we know he is and that he constantly talks about being and the players around him uh, have called him, then you have to lead by example. And so if he needs to get out there and do the -the drop-to-the-ground drills with with securing the football, then so be it. Mm. Um, I have no problem with Sirianni's approach in terms of getting their attention and working on the little details that have become major flaws in recent weeks.
3: Okay. I, I found it to be... A little bit humiliating. I don't know. I, I and 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 I think he didn't need to do it in front of cameras. That well, you you can do that thing and not do it in front of cameras.
9: True, um, true. But you know, Glenn, practice sessions are so short nowadays, thanks to that that latest CBA. The players got the yeah. practice sessions. You know, you got to get in what you can when you can get in. And, and I guarantee you, he knew doing those drills in front of the media was going to blow, blow up the way it did. He knew that, and, and I don't think he did it to demean his team. It was just how the practice was structured okay. at that particular time. All right, yeah. okay.
3: You, uh, I, I always check you out after games and Sunday night. You said something that alarmed me, which is you thought they played uninterested football. Yeah. You still think that, and what do we take out of that?
9: I've, I've looked at the game um, three times um, since since it was played, and the, 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 a missed assignment. The tackling is still shoddy. Um, And once they got behind, um, I think they lost focus. I mean, you fumbled three times in Dallas' territory. And the the three guys who fumbled are your your biggest names on offense. You know, you had three major turnovers that I'm not saying the Eagles would have won the game. I just think it would have been a much closer game. But you fumbled three times in their territory. You gave away uh, the ball. And, And I just think there was a lack of focus on their part, a lack of a sense of urgency. And once they got way behind, um, I'm not going to say they conceded defeat because, uh, you know, I- I'm not I'm not there with them. And I don't think this is a team that will ever quit in any way, shape, or form no matter what happens. But I just thought they didn't play with that focus, that sense of urgency, uh, and a technically sound game like we've seen them play earlier in the season.
4: We're talking with Jacob Media's Derek Gunn familiar to everyone in the Philadelphia area for his coverage of the Eagles for the last quarter century and gunner you were getting text messages from guys within the locker room in the immediate aftermath of that game talking about the offensive scheme and what the, the way the offense was being run it seemed to be questioning how long it took plays to develop were they giving Jalen Hurts of enough enough of an opportunity to get the ball out quickly to avoid the Cowboys' pass rush, to move the ball down the field. What kind of sense did you get from within the locker room that players might be having some doubts about play calling and maybe Brian Johnson and things that are related to the offense?
9: Well, the the conversation I was having back and forth with a few players, it, it wasn't so much as the scheme. It was all focused on look at our pass routes compared to their pass routes. Our routes take too long to develop. Look at how quickly Dak gets that bleep out of his hands, you know. And when you look at the the passing plays, you understand the difference between look at how quickly Dak was delivering the ball compared to where Jalen was standing back there waiting, 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 uh, forced to run, uh, get off his spot more so than I'm sure he wanted to, uh, and disrupted a lot of the the offensive flow. Um, When you look at the collection of receivers the Eagles have, I don't understand why they haven't shortened up a lot of their routes you know, especially because DBs are, are, are giving so much respect to A.J. Brown. He could probably have 20 catches running that slant route all day. <laughs> but they get away from it, you know. Um, and I don't understand. I understand you're trying to keep a defense guessing, keeping them off their heels. But the name of today's game is take what they're giving you. Right. And I don't think the Eagles are doing, have been doing a very good job of taking what the opposition has given them. Look at how many times we look at a play when it's over. The player X is wide open over here. And I understand, you've got to make a decision. As a quarterback, when it heats on you, you've got to make a decision in a fraction of a second. You know, a lot of times. It's easy for us to say, oh, my goodness, he missed this guy. He missed that guy. You don't know what's going through the process uh, to do what he did at that particular time. Um, I just think, you know, the responses I was getting was, and I started looking at that more closely when I rewatched the game, was, you know what, they're right. It takes the passing route sometimes too long to develop. The comeback routes, the quick outs, um, the the hitch passes, um, and, and I, you know when it comes to the Eagles, I don't care if they ever run a hitch pass again because I think they run it probably worse than anybody in the <laughs> National Football League. You know, but there's there's ways to quick straight, the pop pass to the tight end over the middle. I think they could do a better job in terms of a rhythm offense of keeping a defense on its heel and wearing them out instead of a lot of times playing right into a defense's hands in terms of allowing the defensive pressure to get that much closer to the quarterback, to force the quarterback to throw to a spot that he doesn't want to particularly throw to. All
3: right. Derek, you're doing your job, and you're doing it well. And you have, uh, over the years, developed a trust among players in the locker room and um, uh, have, have, have shown you know what you are doing. Uh, from the other side, if I'm Nick Sirianni... I'm probably not happy that my players are letting it known that they're unhappy. Um, so I'm just curious. Again, you're doing your job, right? Is what they are doing in any way harmful to the team? In 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 um, publicly in telling you, here's what we're doing wrong.
9: I would say yes. If if the coaches and the players had come out and said, I don't agree with that. But if you listen to what Sirianni said, if you listen to what Dallas Goddard said and other players, basically they indirectly agreed with basically what I reported out there. They didn't say what I said verbatim, but if you look at the transcripts, you know, maybe we can do things a little bit better. Maybe we should do this. You know, they're telling you that there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Now, anytime stuff starts leaking from a locker room, that can be counterproductive in a locker room, but I would say more so with a team that's two and 10 or five and eight, something like that, more so than a team that struggled over the last couple of weeks, but still sits at 10 and three and still sits in a prime position to not only win the division, but get a number one seed. and a team that has the most favorable schedule over the last four weeks to rectify his problems. When you're talking about playing Seattle, which is going to be a problem in their place. uh, The giants twice in Arizona, um, but so I, I don't think the players in that in, in that locker room will allow it to be a problem. Mm-hmm. They know what they need to do. Um, the coaches, I think they have a very very tight relationship with the coaches. They've discussed this over and over again. But let's face it, Glenn. In any sport, there's always leaks. You know. Oh, I people, listen. Media, I'm, you know I'm
3: aware of it, and I you yeah. know in, in my lifetime have aimed to get them. And you, congratulations that you got it. Uh, I'm just not happy if I'm the other side. And please I, I you know you know I'm praising you and saying that.
9: No, no I agree no I I know exactly what you're saying but but here's the bottom line. Why do you hate here's... the
4: Eagles gunner? No,
9: no. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you got yep. some of that clap yeah. back. No, you know, here's here's the funny part about trolls on social media. I just sit back and laugh, and I know they want you to respond. You know, most of the comments were favorable, and, you know, thank you for that regard, but you get the f- few. Well, you know, he hasn't been at practice every day for the last couple of years. How do you know he's credible anymore? Yeah. Um, how do you know, you know? See, those are the kind of people I just chuckle at, and, and I listen to them go at it on, on the radio with the likes of Ike Reese and, and Hugh Douglas, the ex-players. They want to challenge them. Okay, that's fine. If that's your 15 seconds of fame, then that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and re- respond. As you guys know, there are a lot of people in our profession who will sit there and debate somebody on social media all day, call them all kinds of names. And you're not going to win those wars. I don't care what people want to believe. Those who know me, and the majority of this market know me, those who know me know I have never, not just in Philadelphia, but anywhere else I have worked across this country, I have never put anything out there where my facts are not checks, uh, checked. The I's are not dotted, the T's are not crossed. I don't worry about the few who want it, as we call them in today's world, the trolls. I don't care about them. I don't worry about that kind of stuff. There, I think it's actually funny.
3: Mike and I will stand up to say that, Absolutely. and I, I don't think that's – I don't. I mean, that's really a, a tiny bit of opinion. Uh, i got to throw here. something in here because uh, there's breaking news, and we'll announce it to our audience and run it by you as we say it. It is not good news. Uh, Eagles Corner, but this is according to Adam Schefter. Eagles cornerback Darius Slay underwent arthroscopic knee surgery this week and will be out mm. Monday night versus the Seahawks. He is expected back by the end of the regular season, per sources. Mm. All right, Derek, you can be the first to react.
9: That's a problem um, because when you look at who has to step in potentially behind them, I think that they drop off. You're asking youth to line up against the likes of D.K. Metcalf, who, who mentally yeah. is, is, is sometimes questionable. Uh, but I tell you what, he is a phenomenal human specimen and a phenomenal athlete. And if they don't have to go against them, I guarantee you, if Pete Carroll's smart enough, they're going to identify the weak spot and they're going to attack it, whether it's putting Lockett on that side, in Jigba or Metcalf. Imagine having three options. Most teams are lucky to have two. They have three options, Okay. That's a problem. Now, is this the same Darius Slade who came out a few days ago and said, I had a great game, but a defense played like bleep? That yeah. would be the guy. Is that, is that
4: the same one? Same guy.
3: Uh, please, Derek, just refer to him by his last name, if
4: you would. Uh,
3: Darius? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, now you're on the yeah.
4: list. Yeah. Gunner, before you go, before we let yeah. you go, you use the phrase phenomenal human. And I, Glenn and I wanted to let you know and let our audience know Um, we, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Derek's lovely wife, Trish has been dealing with some health issues and both Glenn and I wanted to say that both Trish and you are in our thoughts. Um, and when it comes to phenomenal human beings, you are right there at the top of the list. And we know Trish is too. And we just wanted to let you know that we're thinking of you and, uh, you know, hoping you're able to have a, a terrific, terrific holiday season this year.
9: I can't thank you guys enough for for saying that, and I want to thank the audience because so many people have have reached out um the blessings that we've received have been phenomenal. We have friends who are as as we speak, which is the reason why I was late. we have uh, friends who have uh remodeled the first level bathroom. my wife you know for, you know it's no secret she had a stroke on November fourth and um it it you know if anybody who's gone through that knows what I'm talking about, it's a matter of seconds life changing in in terms of not just the person it affects, but how you run your home. Um, And it's been six weeks. She is one of the strongest human beings mentally, physically, spiritually, I know. She is doing so much better now. She still has little movement on that left side, but this Encompass Rehab Facility in uh, Middletown, Delaware, is phenomenal. Uh, She finally gets to come home Wednesday. So even as we speak, I have friends who are contractors who are remodeling a bathroom, and my son's fiancé's family is here. They had uh, uh, her, her father, the mother's fa- father, was in the military and got all of this stuff from the VA for wow. free, never got to use it. He passed away before he got to use it. Brand new stuff, hospital beds, um, inflatable mattresses. They're putting it together in my wife's office even as we speak. Um, the outpouring of support and love coast to coast from family, friends, uh, the, the volume of donations. The food meals that have friends have been feeding us for the last four weeks, and I think I've gained 12 pounds <laughs> uh, in the last four weeks, have been phenomenal. But if you guys know anything about this, we are a strong family of faith. We have a legion of thousands praying for full restoration for her. She is making tremendous progress through this ordeal. She never lost her, her sense of recall. Her recall is impeccable. Um, from 20, 30 years ago, um, she is slowly you see slight movements on that left side that weren't there a few weeks ago her attitude is unbelievable and we just believe and keep praying in full restoration that it's coming back to her because she will have it no other way i i I refer to her as a wild cult she's always on the go always moving always in meeting she doesn't sleep a lot and now she's corralled for a while and Mm -hmm. this is unusual to her but because of her fighting spirit um she is she is exactly who I thought she was going to be through this. And, you know, thank God she comes home Wednesday, and, you know, her birthday is next Saturday, so we'll do what yeah. we can, and we'll celebrate Christmas the way we can and just keep moving forward the best we can.
3: Well, uh, all of our best to you, to her, to all of your family, to all those beautiful grandkids that you keep posting pictures of. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Merry Christmas to you and, and all our best to you and to Trish. And thanks Same for joining you guys. us. guys.
9: Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, You guys have a great Christmas, Uh, blessed holidays to you and everybody out there listening. Thank
3: you, Derek. Be well, pal. There you you go, Derek Gunn.
4: And there is a GoFundMe for Trish, uh, so if anyone is interested in helping the guns out, just go to GoFundMe and search Derek's name and
3: you'll find it. Right, or go through the the social media and you will see it. Well, very interesting news about Slay, Uh, arthroscopic knee surgery. We knew he was out this week. He did look a little bit um, gimpy, I think, in the last couple games. Uh, and we'll talk about that more. Bob and George, stick around. We're going to get uh, to you, and we're going to give you a TV show coming up that you really want to be watching, 215 592 Mike sealski Glenn Macnow, 94, WIP. All right. Well, we're watching sponsored by Got Door and Window. Take advantage of Got big year-end sale. Receive 40% of all windows and doors until December 31st. Call one eight seven seven go got it or visit them at goguida.com. I'm watching a good show. Okay. Season five, Fargo, oh. which if you followed Fargo, every season is independent, and so you don't have to watch the first four to enjoy this. entirely my kind, my new cast. show. Yeah, entirely new cast, plot arc, the whole thing. It's, of course, based on the movie that came out way... The movie
4: came out in 1996. One of my 10 favorite movies ever. Made.
3: Well, there you go. Love it. The show started in 2014. And over the years, Billy Bob Thornton, Kirsten Dunst, Ted Danson, Ewan McGregor, Chris Rock. That season went very good. Stars of season five, Juno Temple, who, if people don't know, she was Keely, the social media queen from Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Uh, now playing Minnesota Nice. Ah, that there's no British accent. She's doing that Upper Midwest.
4: Yeah, yeah, oh. all of that.
3: <laughs> yep, and John Hamm as the evil sheriff with pierced nipple rings. Oh, yeah.
4: That's that's i expected you to say, Glenn. <laughs> What's not
3: to watch? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to give you the whole plot arc. I'll just say there's ten episodes. I'm through five. It's set in small town Minnesota and North Dakota. Juno Temple is this like sweet as apple pie, house mom living out a double life. She's actually an escaped, one-time child bride who is also an expert on munitions and spyware and and martial arts.
4: Oh my gosh! Yeah,
3: Um, and Ham is the all-powerful, corrupt, Bible-quoting sheriff of North Dakota who like just does what operates it in a complete dictatorial way uh he married her when she was 15 she left him a couple years ago vanished into thin air he wants her back okay so that's
4: where we i'm are. in
3: if you did you ever see the movie history of violence
4: yes i love that movie. okay
3: right it's it's a like a mob movie with Vito morgenson mortenson mm. mortenson yes uh and it's it's like this is kind of a tribute to yeah. that right yep the person who had this life who's now trying to go unnoticed yep um,
4: Great Philadelphia movie, The History of Violence. Yeah,
3: there is, although I didn't think that it, the guy, the Philadelphia accent wasn't very good. No, nonetheless, there's actually a scene here where Tem- Juno Temple booby traps the house, which seems more a tribute to Home Alone. Ah, right. If you
4: remember what he does, <laughs> does um, she put a uh, tarantula on John Hamm's face?
3: Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Okay, uh, it's good, clean, violent fun. <laughs> it's a drama and it's a comedy. Uh, it's a show like don't think too hard when you're watching it. Just kind of enjoy the mm-hmm. plot twists and the weird characters. There's a there's a hitman in a kilt who keeps showing up, and you just enjoy it. And it, it, I and I like it. You will like Fargo. It's on FX uh, and the, Hulu, correct? And Hulu, okay. Um, I think it's it's they're dropping it weekly. I think they're through episode six. I've watched five. Season five of Fargo is a winner.
4: It it sounds like the show has really kept the quirkiness of the Cohen Brothers movie
3: this one more than the last couple seasons okay they they returned to that and good that they did I know you wanted to do a little bit of a of a tribute to a great actor who passed away
4: yeah Andre Brower who died earlier this week as we just found out yesterday from lung cancer uh, one of those actors who if you're into TVs and shows and pop culture, You knew exactly who it was. If you're just someone who watches TV over the years, like an ultimate that guy, I've seen this guy in a million different places, um, was kind of had his coming out party in glory. He played a free black man who enters uh, the Union Army uh, and was going toe to toe in that movie with Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. And then became the centerpiece of the show Homicide, Life on the Street, which was on NBC throughout the 90s. A great, great cop show based on the book by David Simon, who went on and did The Wire. And Brower was kind of the, the centerpiece character. He played Detective Frank Pembleton, uh, chain-smoked, uh, but just a, a great show and a great character. By the way,
3: a really underrated show. I, I'm going to underrate it. Kind of lost in history. And to me, it's like, if you've never watched that show, Homicide, go back and find it. Because it was a great it show. It was
4: a great show. And I read the reason that it's not in syndication, Glenn, is that they used so much popular, well-known music during the show oh. that they can't, can't they can't afford to ah. get the rights for the music to reshow ah, the series. They take it out. Crazy. Mm. Um, and then most recently he had been in a comedy which i need to go back and watch from the beginning which i've seen a little bit of here and there brooklyn 99 he is the ultimate straight man in this show it's andy samberg it's a lot of quirky actors it is hilarious uh and just somebody who's going to be missed because everything that he was in yeah he was excellent he could in.
3: do humor he could do he could do drama he could do humor he yeah. was yeah just yeah. terrific yeah nice nicely said uh, Bob in Orland, you're on 94 WIP.
7: Hey, how you doing guys? Hey Bob. Hi Bob. Hey, uh, the thing, the one rule check, first of all, I think the Eagles are fine. I think the schedule is just too brutal and you know, you're half a step slow in the show. Okay. But I think, I think, the, the, the kickoffs got to go back to the way it was before. Onside kicks are impossible and it just takes that whole element out of the game. I
3: miss I kickoff returns. Now they took them out for safety reasons. I I guess the numbers quantify it. I can't argue with that. But I do there, – there's never a kickoff return. No. And – No. It,
4: and and Bob's point about the onside kick is right on the money. It, it's gone from the game. I mean, yeah. we had David Akers on last week talking about that tone-setting onside kick, the first play of the entire 2000 season, and you really can't do that anymore. Yeah.
3: It's a good one, Bob. Um, but moving the kickoff back there the, –
4: they're not going to do that no. because it's one of the it's one of the few ways you can really improve the safety of players in the NFL. Hey Dan Wilson, what what do you got for rule
3: changes? Like what are the leaders in the clubhouse right now? They, the, the, here's what we're saying in case you uh, joined us recently. We are looking. For, this is based on Troy Vincent, executive vice president of football operation for the NFL, saying in the last week they're considering changing the rule by which a player who is running to score a touchdown and fumbles the ball, and before he gets there, goes out of the end zone or the side of the end zone. The team loses possession. The other team gets it on the 20. I think it's a horrible rule. I would love to see him change it. So we're looking for the worst or the rule you would love to see changed in sports, and the winner gets a pair of tickets to come and see the hysterical musical Young Frankenstein playing at the PCS Theater in Swarthmore. Now through the end of December, I'm in it. Uh, tickets
1: go to pcstheater.org. What do what we got for leaders? Yeah, so the three, I guess, best uh, thus far we had Nick, who uh, the balk role, uh, Warren with offsize, and my personal favorite so far is Jay wants to change uh, the NFL overtime.
4: All right, so I'm going to I bring... think there's a lot of room for, for more. There. there is. I'm going to give mine because okay. I want to get us out of thinking about just the NFL. Yeah. We have the one Major League Baseball change with respect to the balk. If I had to change one rule, I would go to the National Hockey League, Mm. and I would allow players to be able to kick the puck into the net for a goal. You see this all the time where a shot goes in off a player's skate, and now we have to take 10 minutes to figure out whether the player made a kicking motion with his skate, because if he did, then it doesn't count. But if he didn't make a kicking motion, then it does count. Short of picking the puck up in your glove and throwing it into the net, mm-hmm. however, a player gets the puck past the goalie should count. To
3: I once saw John LeClair score a goal off his ass.
4: Yeah, <laughs> the, like... the the five overtime game. Yeah, where Primo. Keith Primo wins it against Pittsburgh, LeClair scored the first Flyers goal in that game off his head. A shot from yeah. the point hit his. John
3: LeClair could score in a lot of ways. Absolutely, <laughs> every body part.
4: Yes, uh, but that would I like. Much.
3: I agree with you. I I agree because it's like. Was it, it? Was it? Uh, was it? Their kicking motion was it redirected? Blah blah blah. It's just you're right because it's a millimeter of how much you moved your foot. I'm. And, I'm and all why for, not? I'm yeah.
4: all for streamlining the jobs that officials have. Amen. to Amen. Yours anymore. good. Hey, you win tickets to see my show. I already have tickets to see your show. Oh, well, then you're not going to win.
1: You've uh, won more.
3: 215. <laughs> uh, now i got to go twice. 592 94 94. Coming up, we're going to talk about Darius Slay in case you're just joining us. He had knee surgery, and he will not be playing this week. They believe he'll be back before the end of the regular season. We'll discuss it with our Cooper docs, and we'll talk to you on 94 WIP. Mike Sielski, Glenn Macknow, 94 WIP. Well, there was breaking news today out of the Eagles. Not good news. Cornerback Darius Slay underwent arthroscopic knee surgery this week. Will be out Monday against the Seahawks. Is expected back by the end of the season, per sources. This is from Adam Schefter on uh, Twitter. Dr. David Gelt, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, is with us. How are you today, Doc?
12: Good, guys. How you doing? We're I all
3: right. Um,. You know, it's funny because we were going to talk to you about Slay kind of being gimpy, but this is bigger news. I right. guess the the first question is, if he went arthrosco- underwent arthroscopic surgery and it had to be within the last couple of days, uh, he could be back within a
12: month. That's that's realistic. Yeah, I mean, usually, what he probably end up having, he had some either some irritation. With you know what, Doc? Doc? Doc, hold
3: on. We got a really bad connection. You you sound like you're talking to us from twenty thousand leagues under the sea. We're gonna okay. we're gonna hang up, get back in touch with you and get back to you in a second, okay? Okay. All right, That's thanks. Good. Meanwhile, let's talk to George in Falsington. Hey George.
0: Glenn, this is Mr. Arrington. How
3: you doing? Oh gosh, been a long time. <laughs> this was we when I was working with Anthony. We used to debate whether the Eagles should have drafted Lamar Arrington or who was the other guy. I don't remember.
4: Peter Warwick.
3: Oh Peter! Oh gosh. Peter
4: Warwick. Oh my gosh.
3: Yeah, it was a long time ago. Wow. Anyway, yeah, yes. Long time
4: ago.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: well, like Glenn, I'm an I'm an old timer, so I've watched a lot of Eagles games, and yeah. I still think personally they're the best team of football as bad as they played the last two weeks. Mm. They have so much talent. Now, they're not showing it right now, and, you know, everybody's probably just down. Um, my question is, though, I was reading last year when Swift played with Detroit, he had like 78 or 80 receptions. Yes. And he only has 16 with the Eagles. Correct. Now, that don't make no sense. Correct. Why don't you utilize the young man – he can beat any linebacker
4: one-on-one. Well, here, and, here's the thing, George. They didn't throw the ball to the backs much last year either. And I think it's something that Sirianni probably ought to take a look at within his offense because, as you said, DeAndre Swift can catch the ball out of the backfield and be explosive when he does.
0: Correct. I, I You know, I just – the. the I'll be honest with you. I like Sirianni, but I don't like either coordinator. Um, I think the defensive coordinator had some problems because of the secondary. So yeah. He might get a pass. But the offensive coordinator, I mean, uh,
3: that, to me, the,
0: the offense just seems stale.
3: Here's the thing about um, that. And and you got a rule change for us, George?
0: The rule change that I would uh, – Yeah?
3: Yeah. I we, think we lost, we lost him. him. I what? think we lost him.
0: Receiver has to do, catch the ball.
4: That's what I think. Say it again. We lost <laughs> you for a sec. Say it again. Second. We lost you for a sec.
3: No, we lost nah, him again. Yeah, All right. Yeah. All right. Phones are getting weird. Right yeah, now. what's, what's going, going on here? Darius Slay goes
4: down and the phones don't work?
3: Yeah, what is it? Martians landing. What's going on here? <laughs> All right, let's get Dr. The next trash
1: go. can's going to have the WIP phone lines on it. That's, yeah. Yeah, maybe it
3: should. Hey, Doc, I think we got you back. I, I think you sound better. So the question we asked you was, if Darius Slay underwent arthroscopic surgery in the last couple of days on his knee, is it a reasonable expectation that he could be back for the last regular season game of the
12: year against the Giants? Yeah, so uh, sorry about that before. Um, yeah, usually what happens is most likely that he has like a small little meniscus tear or a cartilage irritation, and if they go in and scope the knee, they clip out that little piece just so it's not catching, not causing any irritation. Usually with that type of thing, it's about three- to four-week rehab, um, and then you can go back and try to see how you play.
4: All right, so you said go back and see how you play. Is it reasonable to think he'd be at 100% when he came back? Is there going to be a week, two weeks, more than that, that would take him to get back into the version of Darius Slay that Eagles fans would want to see?
12: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say with that. It depends on how much they took out and what the, what it looked like when they when they did take it out and when they scoped it. Usually, in the majority of the time, within four weeks, you're doing pretty well. You know, it could be a little more, it could be a little less. You know, it's different for each person, but hopefully, around that four week mark is, is usually pretty good. And if they're able to cut and move and do well, then he should be able to play and be um, be helpful.
3: As we're speaking, I got a text. From Mike Vrieswick, former yes. big-time player at Temple University. The stash! Who says, I got arthroscopic surgery on my knee. I was back in two weeks. See, I guess what it is for me, Doc, is I hear the word surgery, and having undergone right. surgery, I just think automatically it's a longer uh, period you're out. But, yeah, I guess if it's like a scrape, they're scraping something out or just— Taking out a piece, yeah. or as they say, cleaning and, it up. And v- Vrieswick yeah, yeah. is a different
4: case because the mustache that he played with when he was at Temple was all-powerful. It was like yeah. Samson with the hair. That's, that's so, right. like, he could have broken his leg, and he still would have gone out there yeah, and hit threes
3: for got John no facial hair. Um So we can be optimistic, Doc. Well, we're hopeful. Yeah, okay, hopeful. I'll go with hopeful. I'm not so hopeful about who's going to be in the secondary these couple weeks. No. There you go.
12: What else is on your if mind? You've always
3: got f- good stuff to add.
12: Uh, so I know you were talking about some rule changes. Um, a couple things. One, it's not necessarily a, a rule change per se, but you know it sort of goes along when the Eagles game was switched to Monday um, with the NFL just changing things haphazardly. But I'm not a big fan of adding more games to different days, like Thursdays and Saturdays. Yeah, I just well, want to keep it on. Sunday I got news. Lunch.
3: That's not going to get better. It's not going to get
4: better, yeah, doctor, but know, you are 100% right. It really puts the screws to people who want to go to the games, and that's wrong. Yeah. All right.
3: Doc, it's a pleasure, man. All right, guys. Have a good one. Be you well. too, doctor. Thank you. So with with Slay Out, uh, Sirianni today would not say who's going to start in his place. No. Uh, Zach Berman tweets, uh, he said the likes of Eagles options include Keely Ringo, Josh Job, and Eli Ricks. If Ringo gets the start, it would be a meaningful opportunity for him. He's from the Seattle area and grew up going to Seahawks games He's got friends and family. Okay. He also great. might
4: sack Geno Smith and get you back. He gave me a point, which I could
3: really man. use. I mean, is this supposed to be Job of that? Like, wouldn't he seem to
4: be the guy next in line? You would think. Or Bradley Roby, right? Or do you want to move yeah, him
3: out of the no, slot? No, Roby's doing a good job in the slot. I need him there. All right. Do we want to get into the Slay stuff, given what's going on? I don't let's, know. It's yeah, kind of yeah, like, like kicking it. a guy when he's down. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do this quickly. Let's not even play the cut. But okay. I, I mean, most people know that... In a week where the Eagles' defense got crushed, and then somebody brought garbage cans to the Novacare Center—one that said Slay and one that said Bradbury or whatever thereabouts—Slay
1: uh, went on his
3: he have a podcast. Was Yeah, his? he has a podcast.
1: Okay, It had weird sound effects produced in the background. I don't know what kind of promotion team he's got subscribing but, to that. Yeah. but
3: basically said, "Hey, how could you do that? I played great." The, de- the defense played like bleep, but I was great. The,
4: the exact quote was, I had a great game. We played bleepy.
3: Yeah. Um, I know that several people, several former players mm-hmm. who were part of the Eagles and part of a team were appalled by that statement. Yes. And I read something great that's like, could you imagine Brian Dawkins ever mm-hmm. coming out and saying something like that? And I, too, find it appalling, but at this point with Slay, it's just like... Uh, the guy is quirky.
4: He just quirky
3: is. Quirky is an interesting word Yeah, it.
4: but it. I don't know uh, I what other word you cork. would use. Well, um, I would use something more pejorative. I mean, he's the guy who passes out his wife's banana pudding to guys in the locker room. That, and nice, I like that. He has the podcast, and he insists that you not use his first name.
3: Yeah, he tells Seth Joyner what to call him. Good luck with that.
4: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so there's quirks with this guy. Um, and I wonder how many guys in the locker room look at that and go, Hey dude, you know, come on. And how many of them look at it and go, it's just slay being slay, whatever, you know, get his knee scoped. He'll be back and he'll play well for us. I don't know. I, I, I haven't taken a poll to know. Uh, how all the players on the offense or defense feel. Personally, if I were a teammate of a guy who said, hey, I played great and you all didn't, yeah. I'd have an issue with that.
3: I would, but whatever. He's out for the next two, three, four weeks, hopefully get back soon. Whatever he has to say, they need him. Yes. Like, yeah. Whatever comes out of his mouth is not as important as his ability to cover. He's not having a great season. but he, But he's the best option they have. He is, and they will miss him, and it makes this tougher. Coming up, we're going to check in with Trey Thomas. Speaking of guys who have interesting podcasts, he and Todd Harriman's do one, Between the Vines.
4: They talk about wine and football.
3: Yeah, well, hey, you know, I I know that formula. Yeah, it works. It works, and it it works for them. It's a really good podcast. We'll check in with Trey, and we'll take your calls. We'll continue talking Eagles. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94WIP. Hey, is your home in need of new windows and doors, but you've decided to brave through one more cold season before making the plunge well let me tell you acting now is not only going to keep your family feeling warm all winter long it's going to lower your high heating bills it's going to save you big bucks with the big end of the year sale from the great people at guided door and window guided is bringing back their Biggest discounts of the year. Receive 40% off each window you buy. Yeah, 40% off every professionally installed window. You also get 40% off any door, including entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Don't worry about touching your holiday money because Guida will start your project with no money down and allow you to pay it off interest free for up to 12 months. If you need new windows and doors, you need to go Guida right now to take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires December 31st, so call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven 877 go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now we are going to check in with Trey Thomas, retired 12-year NFL offensive tackle, left tackle, three Pro Bowls, NFC champion. He is now co-host... Uh, between the vines with Trey and Todd. I yeah, Trey, I watched your recent episode that you guys did from that uh, winery in Mullica Hill. You're sitting around enjoying a like a Schwarz & Keller lease, as far as I could tell. There.
13: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, just enjoying and learning wine, man. It's just been a really cool experience. It's been... I hang out with my brother Todd Harriman, man, and just relax and enjoy some wine and talk football.
3: It's a really good show. You guys have a very good chemistry. I've, I, I've, I've become a real viewer of it. We had uh, Todd on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it's I, I think you guys are great on that show. Um, and one of the things that you talked about, and it's become a theme this week, was a lack of creativity on the offense. You said they need to add something, they, or they tried to add something, but it felt forced um, if you would kind of expound on that, what you saw and what you think they need to do there.
13: Well, because one of the things that everybody was talking about is just like, hey, we are we're last in the league in motions and all of that. So when you went back and you looked at the game and you said, okay, you saw them, they would motion swift out of the backfield and then you run that little quarterback uh, so a quarterback uh, screen, a uh, run outside, and then there were just a couple of plays that they just kind of threw a couple of motions in, but it just didn't seem like it was really part of the offense. It was kind of something that is like, all right, hey, we added motion to it, and there you go, so get off our case. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just didn't <laughs> feel like it was uh something that was really part of the offense because, like, when you look at the Miamis and you look at San Fran and how they're always motioning into these different formations in the place, that's all part of their chemistry and timing. For us, it just didn't feel like it was the same.
4: Trey, you were part of some really creative offenses under Andy here. Could you sense it when you were going well against an opposing defense that you were one step ahead of them in terms of what you were doing and getting receivers free or giving Donovan clear lanes to throw the ball? Can, can, do players pick up on that quickly and does it kind of help them You know, keep an offense rolling?
13: It does. when you're, when you Whenever you're just because uh, w- when you're winning and everything is working, this is just clicking. Everything is clicking. And, you know, and then we had like, well, especially when we got T.O. in the mix, because he was just such an animal out there, you know. And then we always had some good tight end play as well from the guys that came in. So it always helped when the ball was getting out a lot quicker, especially for us when we're protecting, you know. So I think that that was one of the things that helped. Helped with us is just that when able we could get some of those guys open and we could scheme some of that open. Then you felt that when when five was getting rid of the ball quicker.
3: You guys said that the Jets actually showed the recipe. Uh, yeah. I know San Francisco was boasting that they found the, the recipe, the formula. But the Jets, what is so? What is the recipe that the Jets found?
13: I think that what they what they did was they said, "All right, you know what? Because you know that this is a zone read scheme sometimes." The linebacker said, all right, you know what? We're going to be physical and we're going to play downhill. And I think that that was one of the things that I saw from the Jets is that if we see the ball, go play downhill. Do not sit down on your heels. Sit on your heels and wait for the lineman to get up to the second level. Now, one of the things that I – this is what – because this was amazing to me. was When I heard them say, you know what, the offense has become predictable. So I was like, you know what, I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning the next day and I pulled out my, um, my, my tablet and I started watching the All-22. Uh, Mike I and I did exactly
4: the same thing. I wake up at 3.30 <laughs> every morning to look at the All-22, Trey. You're a piker, man. Come on.
13: <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, I was caught slacking. You, 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 beat me. you beat me by 30 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but I went and I watched it. I'm like, okay, this is predictable. It's predictable. I would say I went back and I watched it and what I I learned and what I paid attention to is the offensive linemen's, their stances and their splits. And that tells a lot because sometimes I remember back when Lane first came in, I was on the staff with uh, Stockland at the time. And I used to talk to him about a lot where I said, man, Lane kind of shows if it's pass or run based off his stance, because if it's pass, that outside foot is really far back. And then if it's run, they're a little bit more balanced in their stance. So you see it a lot with Jordan Maialata as well, where it's like, all right, you know, you can tell it's passed. Your stance gives it away. And also another thing that shows is that their splits give it away. And what I mean splits is when you're talking about the uh, the space in between each lineman. So sometimes you will see where if it's a zone run, the left guard, you'll see Landon kind of create a little bit more space between he and Kelsey. You know, so that kind of gives you a tell. If someone is there and they're studying film and they're looking at those little keys, that tells you a lot on if it's run or pass coming. So that's why it's becoming a little predictable because your offensive line. And I was going to put out a tape on this, but I was like, ah, I don't want to push this out. There. But if you if you do it, well, you, you know, can... you know, Stoutland. Yeah, I'm sorry, I,
3: I, I guess my my just my quick follow up is a guy is. As terrific a coach as Jeff Stoutland, I'm surprised that like he didn't see that.
13: Well, sometimes you kind of just let – well, when you're winning, it doesn't matter. You're like, all right, hey, man, it doesn't matter. We're winning. Just just keep doing what you're doing. But then when teams start picking up on it, you know, it, it, it becomes a habit. Things If you let things slide too much, it will become a habit, and it's kind of hard to break after a certain point, you know what I'm saying? So it, then you have to be that type of coach that's constantly on it because it's something that has to be constantly corrected, you know, because it's just your stance, and it's something that you just start doing automatically.
4: We're talking to the former Eagles offensive lineman, great player Trey Thomas. Uh, Trey, let's stay on the offensive line for a second here. Uh, I had said earlier in the show that the Eagles clearly had the best offensive line in the NFL last season. It seems to me, to my untrained eyes, that the performance hasn't been quite to that level this season. Uh, and you obviously picked up on something there that that speaks to that. My My question to you is, as somebody who played left tackle in the league as long as you did, can you pick up on anything that suggests Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey in particular are showing any signs of wear and tear at this point in their careers? You know, sometimes – the the fall off, and I'm not suggesting they've fallen off. I mean, Kelsey's been terrific, and Lane has generally been terrific. But sometimes, uh, just time can take its toll. Have you seen anything out of those two guys to suggest they're not quite what they used to be?
13: No. Sometimes I feel like Kelsey gets a little out of balance. You know, just because it seems like he's, uh, you know, he's trying extra hard to get into a block where it should be, where you just should be able to slide your feet a little bit easier. So I see that sometimes in pass protection. Now, with Lane, with Lane, my problem with Lane is that he catches too much. You know, where he allows the defensive end, because he's so strong, he allows the defensive end to just dive into his chest, and it's a bull rush, and he can sit down on the bull rush. Well, when you do that, you're always giving up ground. And when you're talking about tackle play, the tackles are in charge of the width of the pocket. So if that width of the pocket collapses and you're always in Hurts' lap, then that creates a problem because then he starts to get panicked and then he tries to escape out of the backside of the pocket or everything else just happens. I know that he went out there and he shut Bosa down, but actually what Bosa did was effective because it was a bull rush and they kept collapsing the pocket.
3: We're talking to Trey Thomas. You can follow Trey on Twitter at 72 Thomas, Of course, played all those great years with the Eagles. Uh, He on the left side, John Runyon on the right side. It it really was uh, a a terrific pair that the Eagles had back then. So you suggested, I think, uh, this week, that when you have a team making mistakes and having breakdowns like this, you kind of need to peel stuff back, uh, like, say, the Christmas album. I don't know if you were saying that or just saying that they were going to get that criticism.
13: Yeah, well, I knew that something... I knew at some point it was going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, because because you know how it is, man. You, hey, man, this is a tough city to play for, and I love our fan base. I absolutely love our fan base. But once you start, once once things things start going bad, oh man, you want to sit up there and say noel. But, hey man, everybody else they, losing. They like Bah Humbug. I ain't trying to hear that. What a great quote! You had
4: been sitting on that line since Glenn reached been, out to you, Trey. You, don't, don't
13: lie. it all day. But I'm like, you know, you know, you want to sit up there and sing a silent night, and everybody like, man, nah, we losing. I ain't trying to hear none of that Bah Humbug. Just focus, focus on pass blocking. That's what I need you to do. Forget all the tenor high notes. I need you out there blocking. And I knew it was coming. I knew at some point that it was going to be coming.
4: Yeah. Well, it came. It it, it definitely came. Have, have you seen anything? Let's go to the other side of the ball because obviously as an offensive player, you're going to be studying also what opposing defenses do. Have you seen anything from the Eagles defense that suggests they can fix whatever has been ailing them? And it looks like everything's been ailing them for the past few weeks. All
13: right. So, okay. So I feel like, our linebackers aren't aggressive enough, especially when it's run. You know what I'm saying? It seems like when the ball is coming, it's like they kind of just, they sit on their heels a little bit instead of just coming downhill and being a little bit more physical and taking stuff on. It just feels like they kind of sit. And there were a couple times when you looked at the Dallas game where the linebacker was kind of just like shuffling. And It's like, look, you see the ball coming, man, go. Mm. Go. You know, um, I think that, our secondary, you know, because I sit when I sit there and I watch a game, I time each throw. And so you know that the average, I sit with a, a stopwatch and I time each throw that's going on when I'm watching it while I'm watching the game. And you can tell a lot when you time a throw because it, the average pass play takes between 1.9 and 2.3 seconds or whatever. So if the ball is coming out at one point nine, two seconds, then what that's telling me is that coverage needs to be a little bit tighter. You know, saying so you got to give your, your defensive line time to get there. Because to me, coverage dicks take sacks. It's like everybody's like, hey, just get to the quarterback. Get to the quarterback. Well, if, the, if there's always a, a short throw or easy throw, it, I don't care who you put out there. You can put Usain Bolt out there when he was in his prime. If the quarterback is able to get rid of that ball under two seconds, no one is going to get there. So the coverage has to be there to get sacks. Now, I think that when I look at our defensive ends at times, one of the things that I, I kind of don't like about how our guys come is they always line up with their, uh, with in a particular stance. So they always have their inside foot back. When you do that, you're always making contact at the same spot, which makes it a lot easier for tackles.
3: Trey, would you ever consider getting back into coaching? I mean, I know that I, it's hard to beat a gig, you know, sitting around drinking Zinfandel and talking about it, but would you ever think about it? Cause I mean, this is I, real knowledge.
13: Yeah, I, I I I submitted my application to the Eagles all, last offseason.
3: All right, well, let's get going on Yeah. Apparently, you I, well, did I, not I, get I, the I, answer I, you were I, looking didn't for. Work. So, they, they, they were like, yeah, now nah,
13: we're good. You know what I'm saying? So, I was like, all right, cool. Nah. All so right, well, I guess I, I we got to reach off. out to
4: Eagles Human Resources here or something. <laughs>
3: you know what? <laughs> I, and, and obviously, Stout's not retiring, but the, when that time comes, I nominate Trey Thomas as at least offensive line coach and move up from
4: there. This could be your resume tape, Trey. You just <laughs> you just submit this interview to the Eagles and yeah. say, here you go. I will fix all the problems. Yeah, the whole thing with the tackles,
3: catching too much instead of punching. like Yes. I was, they need to punch. That was, that was knowledge. Yeah, that was punch, knowledge.
4: Punch, punch,
3: Listen. Yeah. People should people should uh, find Trey. Where do we, where do we find the Between the Vines podcast? Where are can they it's find It's on it?
13: YouTube. Uh, so we do it on YouTube. So it's Between the Vines with Trey and Todd on YouTube. And man, it's just been a blast. Just going to all these different wineries in the uh, New Jersey and PA yep. area, and just exploring these different areas, man. And it, it's been a lot of fun. Well,
3: and and you guys do that as you sit around and talk about uh, the games and so on. And it's and, yes. and we go it's and two really smart guys. Yeah.
13: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So it's been fun. All right, man. Hey, I, thanks for talking to us. Hope to catch up with you again soon.
13: I'm gonna have to come check y'all out with the brewery.
3: Uh, uh, hey, you know what? There you, go. you you got my number. I'll meet you at Konchak and Brewing Company. We'll have a couple beers.
4: I, I challenge Absolutely. you. To, I challenge you to the basketball beer challenge, Trey. I am the reigning Delaware Valley champion. Uh, I will take on all comers anytime you want to take me on. I'm ready.
3: You know what that is, by the way.
13: No, I don't. What, what do okay, here's to...
3: what – and Mike did. Mike beat uh, Devin Caney and, and I. No, we... I beat
13: Kate Scott. Oh, Kate Scott. Excuse yeah. me.
3: Kate Scott and I, when we did this, uh, at Conshohocken and Brewing Company, you hold a basketball, you put uh-huh. an open can of beer on top of the basketball, you hold it like it in front of you at shoulder height, you okay. drop the basketball, and then the can of beer can bounce in one of many, many directions. You have to catch the can of beer and chug it, and uh, when I did it, the can of beer flew like you know into the parking lot. When <laughs> okay. when Mike did it, he successfully twice was able to drink the beer. So your oh. shoulder height's a little higher, so who knows where it's going? Yeah, right. But it you got just, longer arms. It
4: might come up to his chest. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay.
13: So that sounds like a fun one. I might have to try that. All hey, right. To pick you up on that. Yeah. Would,
3: would love to host you.
13: <laughs> hey. Cool.
3: Hey. Be well.
4: Thanks, Trey. All right, man. Y'all take care. All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks so much. Smart guy. Very smart guy.
3: I mean, his stuff about the tells on the offensive line. That was
4: really good. And and his point about Lane kind of catching the pass rusher as opposed to being aggressive yeah, is, is
3: true. Punch, don't catch.
4: Right. And it doesn't mean Lane is a bad right tackle because obviously he is not. But you can see the effect it has on Hurts or at least has had on Hurts. In that San Francisco game and to a lesser degree, the Dallas game. Yeah, it was really. Try,
3: listen, that, he's a really sharp guy. That was really good stuff. And, and his line about knowing that the players would get flack about doing all the extracurricular stuff when they start losing, you want to sing Noel and the fans are saying bah, humbug. humbug. <laughs> it, was, it was a great line. <laughs> it was great. All right. Anyway, he, and his, the, that podcast he and Harriman's do is really good. All right. Robert in Washington Township has been patiently waiting. Hello, Robert. How are you guys? Hi, I, Robert. I, I, I want to make a Brower content, uh
5: comment before I talked about the Eagles and uh, gave him my change. Uh, one of the best, best movies I'd seen him in was one called Duets. It uh, starred Huey Lewis.
4: And Gwyneth Paltrow.
5: He sang Freebird, acapella, as good as I've ever heard it sang. Really? At the end Andre of the movie. Brower, Really? Yeah. yeah, it's a movie
4: about uh, people who love to do karaoke, right, Robert? Yep. And uh, Huey Lewis is in it, and Gwyneth Paltrow's in it, and there you go. Paul Andre Brower can sing, yeah. Paul Giamatti. Wow. Yeah, okay. he, yeah it's a phenomenal movie. It's not. It, you think it's about, you know,
5: singing karaoke, but it's more so much more, so much a deeper movie than that. But uh, he's amazing in that movie.
4: He's he was a great actor. He's going to be missed. Tremendous. I just
5: wanted to mention three guys on there. You know, you got T.K. Lockett, D.K. Metcalf, and that Smith Najeeba, without having slayed. That's a tall task this yeah. weekend, this it, Monday night. Those it, it, guys, all
3: are good players. I bet you that changes the line. Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. I, I bet you it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting a little scared. That was one we all had in dark, indelible ink as a W. Yeah,
4: yeah. And, you know, you're going to have to face. Uh, Tommy Chicken Parm without Slay too twice. Uh,
3: not that worried about that <laughs> one. It's, it's but be this, tough. You know, I mean, it's it's, again, tough. we said like, okay, if they go, if they go fourteen and three, it's fine. If you go thirteen and four, it's not as fine. It's then not you're, nearly
5: then you're as fine. As five do no. yeah. Ro-
4: Robert, you have a rule change. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm the shootout in
5: hockey. You know, they they don't play a lot. You know, take twenty minutes a game. Play another five, and if you tie, you tie. You get a point. You get a point if you lose anyhow. But I just think that's the most exciting part of the hockey anymore. If you look at these three-on-three overtimes, it is fun watch. I mean, edge of your seat stuff. Playoffs, of course, is like that. If are in a regular season, man, I tell you that. I would just, I don't know, I just don't think the shootout is a way to end it. I would like to see them maybe do another I'm with five you.
3: minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Actually, you know what I would do? What would you do? So, you know, you go to overtime, you take one guy off the ice. Yes. Right? Okay. You play five minutes, nobody scores. Each team takes another guy off the ice. So you get, to like, one-on-one eventually? If you have to. The game will wow. get settled. Just the
1: goalies? <laughs> <laughs> Back. Back, Back. Back. For the... and forth. Because right now it's three-on-three. Three. You'd have two attackers yeah. next? Yeah. And then one. And, and, then, one. and then goalies and, only. I mean, somebody's going to score. Carter not, Hart not or, the goalie. Sam Forget, Erson leave, going down for him? No, a leave
3: out the Carter Hart-Sam Erson part. Just the part where you go from three-on-three three to two-on-two, two and it's like,
4: guess what? Somebody's going to score. I don't know.
3: I don't I don't have your vote. I yeah. liked his though. His was good.
4: Yeah, you know, the shootout is the thing that everybody s- likes to say that they don't like, and I don't care for it either, but people seem to love it in the game. Well, it, it's you
3: watch it when it happens, yeah. which doesn't make it like it's a great idea. It just makes it it's
1: it's compelling because well, I,
3: don't know, I can't really argue it,
1: but How quickly would you have to do a line change one on one? That guy would collapse. You'd, you'd <laughs> have to
4: have an EMT on the ice with, Just ready to with go. oxygen yeah. and Shoot paddles. Shoot down to the yeah. other
3: zone, get to the bench, next good man up. I don't know. Hey, I'm thinking off the top of my head here. No, it's not creative. I'll give you that. I aim for that. Jake, how are you?
8: Hey, let me get you off speaker. All right, All right. That would be good. Thanks,
3: Jake. We can wait.
8: All right. Can you hear me?
3: There we go. We got you.
8: you. There we go. Thanks thank for taking my call. Um, so I've got an Eagles point. Um, the cornerback slay obviously isn't good that he's out, but having Eli ricks or Ringo or Joe play out there, I think it's a good thing for the future. I don't want that right now, but we've been forcing them guys to play inside. Not one of those guys play inside. They're not corner slots. They're actually outside cornerbacks. So it's good to see it. It's a good point. It's not the best people to go against, but it is what it is. Um, but I'm just not. I'm not worried. The 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 Eagles. I, I'm. Be honest. I feel as though they're like like sandbagging. Their offense is too vanilla. You don't see anything. There's nothing. And in the last, uh, season, this is the Elliott Shore
3: Parks theory of don't show in the regular season what you're going <laughs> to show in I, the postseason. I, I
8: don't. I don't like it. But it's like I. I've never seen them this vanilla. Like what happened randomly to just turn it into like, we're gonna do nothing.
4: Yeah, you know. My colleague Dave Murphy, Jake, has pointed out that what Johnson seems to be calling is kind of a basic college spread offense. And, you know, it's hard to argue with him based on the results of the last couple of weeks. And, you know, look, give him credit. Earlier in the season, he was adjusting to what opposing defenses were doing. They were putting points on the board in the second half. That's how they came back to beat Buffalo uh, in their most recent victory. But... To me, something strategically has to change because I don't think they're sandbagging. I think they're just you know, they're not able to move the ball and score in the way they need to.
8: Yeah, something's definitely not clicking. I just it all like started at that San Fran game and it's like those are the two San Fran and Dallas are the two teams we you're possibly gonna see again. It's just real Real odd to me. But uh, I got a rule change. Sure. I think it only applies to the NFL. am not really sure about all the other ones. But uh, wh- why do we only have to have two helmets? Can we just have whatever uniform I want? <laughs> I love watching Oregon because Oregon comes out every week yeah. in coolest uniforms. You need to like- take
3: it up with the merchandising and licensing department of the NFL, yeah. which is why they do it, because of whatever. But uh, it took them a long time to get to the Kelly Green because of that. Yes. Which yes, was it did. A- huge success it really show. was is kelly green a huge success because it is in limited supply and if they went to kelly green full-time it would become blasé
4: yes that's what i think yeah nostalgia nostalgia sells yeah. and anything that's that's limited now <laughs> sells that's because it. everything is so available that's all it. the time
3: right you can all oh, they're only going to wear it twice i mean you can now buy it of course whenever you want but they're only going to wear it twice a year which makes it that much cooler yep absolutely right. there
4: you go we're brilliant
3: Certainly looking to take your call. And one of the things we're talking about is a rule you would like to see changed in sports. And the winner gets a pair of tickets to see uh, Young Frankenstein, a hysterical Mel Brooks musical playing at the PCS Theater in Swarthmore tonight. uh, Through the end of the month, I'm in it. So you can come and see me and laugh and ridicule me.
4: You will not laugh and ridicule. Nobody's well, going to laugh. laugh and ridicule. Well, laugh, laugh, yes, laugh with you, not at you. Yes, and you know you got a busy schedule the next couple of weeks. Yeah,
3: you know? I do. I'm. I'm uh, and, and next Saturday, I got the show, and then we got like a matinee and an evening. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, that's all
4: right. You're going to have to cut out early. Am I, I going to have to carry the show the last hour?
3: Uh, last five minutes.
4: Okay, there you go. That I can do.
3: All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike and Glenn on ninety four WIP. Well, that's Scott Fransky. Larry Anderson on percussion. Uh, it's just it's a great call. Larry of. Anderson on laughing gas. Yeah, he's great, and I just love him. That I mean, is
4: I, that to me is the best Scott Fransky call of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was game. there that night covering that game, Game Four and oh Nine in the LCS when Jimmy hit that double.
3: I believe the greatest Scott Fransky call of all time, and save this for when we have a, like a really slow day. Mm-hmm is the final pitch of Roy Halliday's no hitter against the Reds in the playoffs. That's a great one. Where uh was it Brandon Phillips, I think? Yes,
4: chopped the ball and chops. Chops the ball
3: and it hits the bat and Ruiz has got to go and sort it out and throw it to first. And Fransky was just great in that. Yeah. But nonetheless, we're not talking about Fransky. No, we're not. We're talking about Jimmy Rollins who is on the Hall of Fame ballot for the third time uh as voting is underway. Chase Utley on it for the first. And um You wrote this week in a column in the Philadelphia Inquirer At the risk of sounding like the most homerish homer who ever campaigned on part of candidates for a hometown team, I'd have both Rollins and Utley on my ballot if I were a voter. Uh, And then you got into other things. We'll get into those in a minute, Mm. but let's get into Rollins and Utley
4: and their Hall of Fame case. Let's go Jimmy Rollins first. Okay. So, over his first 13 years in the big leagues, first in the National League in hits over those 13 years, first in doubles second in runs, third in extra base hits. He won an MVP. He was a four-time Gold Glove winner. He was part of a World Series champion, part of a dominant team in a division for five years. And over that same 13-year period, he had the highest fielding percentage of any shortstop who played 1,000 games or more. One of the criteria that is used, basically, and I think this is probably the most common one used to determine whether somebody is a Hall of Famer, is... Was he a great player or a really good player for a long enough period right. of time? That's it. I I'm, say Rollins uh, was. I I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, and and all
3: and everything you said. He led the league in triples four times. He led the league in runs. He led the league in steals,
4: as you said, MVP, all of the above. Why do you only get
3: thirteen percent?
4: I think part of it is the new candidates on the ballot each year. The writers are only allowed to vote for 10. Yeah. And so as new candidates come on, they bump guys off the ballot. I think that's always part of it. I also think there's a perception that was he really great, which I think undersells how great he actually was.
3: He was pretty damn great. Yeah. I mean, you know, was he Mike Schmidt great? No, but he was great. And I don't like to use the standard of, well, he's better than this guy in the Hall of Fame because then you're always going to the lowest common denominator. But I do I think he's a Hall of Famer for everything you said. He yeah. was a great
4: player on a great team for a long time. And he was great in big spots. Go back to the yeah. two thousand eight playoffs, how many times they lead off a game with a oh, home run when just, they needed it. You just it? heard one. You just heard the one in oh nine with the double. So yeah, right. to me Chase Jim, Utley. Chase. Yes. Very so, different kind
3: of criteria here.
4: Yeah, I think you really have to home in on the five year period of Utley's career from two thousand five through two thousand nine when he was, I think, as good a player in Major League Baseball as anybody. Certainly the best second baseman. Mm-hmm. You look at his career, there are 20 second basemen in the Hall of Fame. If you slide Utley in there among the 20, he would be 5th in home runs, 8th in OPS, 10th in war, which gives you kind of the analytical side of his candidacy. Yeah, and
3: these new voters, they love that one.
4: They do. They do. And over that five-year period, like I said, from 05 to 09, he batted 301. With a 922 OPS. And remember, tied the record for home runs in a World Series with five in 2009. I'm a big believer, Glenn, that we should have, there should be more players in the Hall of Fame who were genuinely great over relatively short periods of time. Uh, And I get into this in the column. I think Don Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. Before you get
3: into that, I just want to I want to okay. I want to do the uh the the only thing. Yeah, the oddly thing first. I um I don't want to go into detail. You know who I'm talking about. I have a relative who votes for the Hall of Fame, who's yes. a writer, right? Yep. You know him. And he said to me, hold on, because because I'm I'm trying to persuade him to vote for these two. <laughs> I'm with you on both of them and, I, and it may be homerish but I'm with you cuz he wrote me uh, uh, I'm struggling to find an argument to vote for Utley, do you have one? And I kind of wrote what you said, and he said, "Yes, but is six years enough?" He, the highest he ever finished in MVP voting was seventh, and that was once. So he's not really. I, I, I have not persuaded him on Utley. And then he said, "I'm not even sure he was the best player on his team in any of those six years." Well, Howard won the MVP one year, and Rollins won the. But it doesn't. To me, that doesn't qualify him. So he's, I'm struggling to get to yes with Utley, he wrote. Yeah. I'm working on
4: it. I, I get it. Uh, but this gets to what I was saying about my criteria and standards for the Hall of Fame. I think there should be more players. Call it the Sandy Koufax rule, where you have guys who were incredibly great for relatively short periods of time, talking mm-hmm. five, six years. Yeah. Don Mattingly, Dwight Gooden. From 85 through 88. Now, it's a little shorter of a period of time. I remember
3: that. was it, 86?
4: 85. He was amazing. You know, 24 and 4, ERA of 1.53. Yeah, unhittable. Now, I really think outside the box, too, though, Glenn, I I think that there are players who are responsible for a timeless moment in the sport who should be in the Hall of Fame. Or even a particularly outstanding season. So someone like Roger Maris. No. Someone like Don Larson. No, it no. He had no? we have one game. Yeah, but think of the game here. Well, had. The, so here's the deal.
3: He is in the Hall of Fame in that there is a display in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. of that perfect game with a big, you know, life-size picture of him on the wall yeah. and the ball and the glove and the, so on. So he is honored in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have a plaque in the Hall of Fame. No. you got to have a—you're th- cheapening it up for I'm everybody. Not cheapening it up. Yes, you are. And this is the thing. And this is what makes me mad. <laughs> and by the way, just—I just—Rollins, I, uh, Utley, yes, they were great players. They mm-hmm. deserved to be there. Don Larson was a guy who had a day. Yeah. <laughs> so I <clears throat> I talk with a couple people who are voters for the Hall, right? And one mm-hmm. of them is a friend of mine, Ryan Spader. I can say we. Yeah. You said, okay? You know mm-hmm. right. Sure. And every year he's like, well, it's ridiculous. You can only vote for 10. You should be able to vote for more. No, it's the Hall of Fame because it's so elite and so limited. Only a couple of guys get in every year. And that's what makes it special. You can't. If everybody gets in, it's no longer special. If everybody gets in, then how is Willie Mays special? If you're putting Don Larson on the wall next to Willie Mays, I'm going way too old school. Here. Yeah. All right. Give me give me like a Ken Griffey Jr. Okay. If Ken Griffey Jr. is next to Don Larson, then it's not Ken Griffey Jr. anymore. Then it's like everybody gets in. Well, no,
4: but Don Larson is responsible <clears throat> for one of the 10, you could argue, one of the 10 most famous moments in the sports history. Uh, I got a lot of pushback in this but, argument. But here. not a plaque. That's the perfect game in the World Series. No, First get, of all time. Hey, guess give him what?
3: A give us your. Gla- so so by your argument, Nick Foles should be in the Pro Football Hall I of Fame. I
4: actually wrote that about four or five years ago after after oh, they won God the Super sakes. Bowl. Yeah. And I love Nick. Come yeah. on. No, I would put him in the Hall of Fame. I would put Kirk Gibson in the Major League Baseball So when Hall I went to
3: the Pro Football Hall of Fame, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, there was Nick Foles. Was, was his it shoes? It, yeah, it was his shoes. Yeah. From the seven touchdown game against Mm -hmm. the Raiders, right? But you don't get the plaque, or in football, it's the bust. You don't get to like be next to Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White because you're Nick Foles. Those are like special elite things. That's what you're going to have it like. I think they're going to have five hundred heads in the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
4: I think there's a more compelling case for Foles to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame than there even is for the, the baseball guys I've mentioned because careers are so much shorter in the NFL. So I, I mean, Gale Sayers got in, and he didn't have a particularly well. Long he was career. Sandy Koufax. But Th- that's my. But point. Nick Foles wasn't.
3: Nick Nick, Nick Foles, Foles was did. a guy who had a. And I love Nick. I I hate to speak against him. I mm-hmm. love him, and I'd buy him a beer anytime I ever would see him. Yeah. But he's not a Hall of Fame guy. Uh-huh. Gale Sayers was the best player at his position for six years before his knee blew out. I
4: think Nick I, Foles had an amazing mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yes. And and it will be it's not remem- the same. It, it will be remembered forever in the sports history well, by us. Yeah, and by, and by I think most football fans. Is David
1: Freeze a baseball Hall of Famer? Yeah, by his standard.
4: I don't think that moment has the resonance. He yeah, had like a month. Yeah, but but my point is, <clears throat> part of the reason I take this position is that you have writers and media members voting on these things. Sure, and so. Those writers and media members in the public are the ones who kind of pick and choose what moments resonate over time. David Fries doesn't resonate to anybody outside of St. Louis. Yeah, I don't even
3: remember what year it was. <laughs> yeah, but, but 2011, but, the year they beat yeah, the but, Phillies. But, yeah. but
4: Bobby Thompson is something that everyone who follows baseball knows to this day. And I think that yeah, should be rewarded. It is. It's in there. It's, uh, there's a
3: whole Bobby Thompson go look at it. But you don't get a bust. I think you get a bust. Or a plaque in baseball. Oh, right.
4: I must. I must. I must increase the busts. I
3: gotta remember that <laughs> from when I was 13. Yes. Bill in Mercer'sville. Bill wants to talk about the Flyers, and I welcome that. How are you, Bill? I'm living
14: the dream, Glenn.
3: How I'm about that? Listen, You're back in, right. huh?
14: I've never been out.
3: Okay. God bless you.
14: I'm a, I'm a long-time season ticket holder, and look, as as some people on your station say, I drink the Kool-Aid.
3: That's fine. Okay.
14: No, but on, on a serious note, they are just what I expected them to be. <sighs> Fun to watch. Competitive. And they're winning games, and eventually they're going to lose some, and they're going to be right around the playoff bubble, and they may or may not make it, and it's just fine. It is right where they need to be at this time in the – rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call
3: it. So my question is, and I have to pay more attention to the Flyers because, to be honest, I haven't paid as much as I should. When you look at that and you say, okay, in three years, these are going to be guys I'm going with. Because, right, that's the point. Who who right. there do you see now that you say, like, yeah, this, this guy's going to work?
14: Well, if Tortorella doesn't kill him, it'll be Morgan Frost. Uh-huh. It'll be Tippett. Bobby Brink, it, he scored yeah. probably a, a top 10 flyer goal in history, the highlight film goal that was. That was beautiful. And on deep bench, you got Cam York. I mean, yeah. and Konechny is, you know, not a superstar, but he's a, a B level player. No, Konechny uh, is. You know, yeah, he's pretty good.
3: 16, 17 goals. He's already. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
14: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's. I would there throw Tyson Forster on that list, maybe. Yeah, he looks I, like I think he can play.
4: Honestly, Bill, I think that's the fun part of where they're at is you don't know the answers to the that question yet. And, yeah. again, I think the important thing is that Danny Breer and Keith Jones continue to act and follow the words that they are putting out there, which is, we are not allowing whatever success we have this season to change our plan and, and color us to get away from understanding we need to add talent they are winning because they're playing their butts off every night and i understand the allure that has for flyers fans but they still need more really good players
14: oh without a doubt and and jonesy has said it in many interviews we are not doing a short-term fix to make the playoffs this year we are in it for the long haul and i love it and jonesy He's out shaking hands and kissing babies on the concourse level before games. I know. When have you ever seen a flyer upper management do that?
3: The, and it's, and it's I'll give of. I'll give credit to Dan Hilferty, who's really the guy they brought in to run it. Even at the top at Comcast, uh, we had the event a couple of years ago, yes. a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, when we released the Jonesy Hockey Lager, and Dan Hilferty was there, and Keith Jones and Danny Briere, and they spent two hours talking to anybody who wanted to talk to them about their team. And it's a change in culture, so much for the better. What's your rule change?
14: You could feel the change when you walk in the building. They have to do something with the ushers, but that's a story for another day. They <laughs> let too many people up during play. And okay. It's a pet peeve of mine, but anyway. So if I were to change the rule, I would get I would make overtime three on three, ten minutes. Get rid of the shootout. Even though even though we're three and zero in shootouts this year, you know who I would have thought that. But I would get rid of the shootout. Ten minutes, straight three-on-three three overtime, and if it's a
3: tie, it's a tie. I think we just—I think we got that one We've before you. We've said that, yeah. 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 yeah, we got yeah. that one already. But good call. I appreciate it. And yeah. Listen, the Sixers are playing really well. It would be, you know, we just don't have a lot of time to talk about Sixers and Flyers because the Eagles issues are so overriding yes. right now. But uh, please understand that Mike and I have them in our thoughts. We do.
4: We do. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the time where we can really – devote time to the Sixers and the Flyers because they're interesting stories this season. They uh, really are. Coming
3: up, we're going to pick a winner yeah. of the thing. We mm-hmm. got some. I, I I don't know that there was one that blew me away. Dan's been keeping track. We'll kind of figure out who gets the winner, and we will find out from our producer, Dan Wilson, what we forgot to talk about today. It's probably The inner be, thoughts of Dan Wilson, deep, some are deep, saying. I, deep I, thoughts yes, with Dan deep Wilson. Thought, the inner thoughts of Dan. We'll, we'll book it anyway. By the way, but before we get to that, I'll do it when we get back because Dan's gonna Dan's gonna get a shift. Yeah. coming up, so we'll talk about that.
4: Ah, uh, uh, we'll, it's it's like um the uh, Henry Hill coming out of the courtroom. There you Paulie go. waiting for him. You know, that's exactly <laughs> it. Two one five five
3: nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Selesky, Glenn Mac, now on ninety four WIP. All right, Nick Sirianni press conference today.
4: Yeah. Some other not-so-great news.
3: Uh, Let me first give you the Slay stuff. Uh, Jeff McLean says, uh, report uh, that Darius uh, Slay had surgery, arthroscopic surgery on his knee. How do you guys move forward? And Sirianni said, yes. What's our plan? we got the right guys in place. Second question, how long do you expect him to be at? Answer, we'll see. Which I guess is really all he can say. Yeah. Third question, when you say you've got the right guys, is it Keely Ringo? Is it Josh Job? Who? Sirianni. Got the right guys. Got the right guys. <laughs> so, uh, Bunker he's, mode. He's, yeah, he, he's not going to tell. And and as you suggested, there may be more bad news.
4: Yeah, so Jalen Hurts mispracticed today uh, because of an illness. And apparently his absence, uh, according to uh, our reporter Josh Tolentino, is considered precautionary with the team hoping to avoid any type of widespread illness oh. among other players. Oh. 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 So... Oh, God. He got a flu cutting a swath through the Eagles
1: locker room. Apparently. Right. Are we doing COVID protocols again? Are we going to do that? Oh, uh, hey. Listen, that's not –
3: you know, I'm in this play with a bunch of people and somebody got COVID a couple of weeks ago and everybody had to you know, do a thing. Like it's not
1: extinct. It's not out of the question. No, I mean,
3: it's you, not you, out you of the question. No, people you, are getting COVID. Serious, I mean, the deal know? with COVID now is if you get it, assuming you've gotten all the vaccines, yeah. you're okay, but yeah. you're still going to – you'll be out. If he has the flu, hopefully he's not
1: out and –
4: who else didn't practice?
1: Yeah, so uh, Cam Jurgens and Zach Cunningham both out again today.
4: Yeah, with knee uh, Cunningham's got a knee thing and
1: Jurgens with a pec. I'm officially worried. I'm yeah. officially I am uh, officially I am worried not, for Seattle. I am, not,
3: and- I am not doing the and I know a lot of guys in this station this week did like the panic button, the panic mode. I'm not panic button, panic mode, but like none of this is good. We're news. 60 no, minutes
1: away. Uh, like 60 game minutes away from hitting the panic Oh, button. i think oh, yeah. on the station no not on this station it's oh, no, coming no. up after this is say, like, go Birds aren't going to start panicking right at 2 but okay. the, yeah yeah that's, 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 that's right, what yeah give it an hour and then All they'll right, get it let's give okay. away the tickets
3: uh what do we have for what are our nominees for best rule change
1: yes yeah, so our nominees uh the shoot, the hockey shootout playing longer over time. two people said that uh yeah. robert was the first one on that uh the uniform helmet rule just uniform restrictions yeah. and, you know that was mentioned Uh, Offsides uh, in football, the balk rule in baseball. Uh, But I think the winner today is going to go to Jay in Newtown Square. Uh, He wants to change the NFL overtime rule.
3: Okay. Okay. I'm down with that. Jay, congratulations. You win a pair of tickets. See the hysterical musical Young Frankenstein at the PCS Theater in Swarthmore. I'm in it. You'll laugh. Uh, for tickets go to PCStheater.org and I know you're coming out uh, whatever in a couple weeks On to see Thursday it. the 28th. And there is a show tonight. If you got nothing better to do tonight, drive out to Swarthmore. I'll meet you there on stage at 8 p.m. So there you go. 614 Fairview Road.
1: Alright, what did we forget to talk about there, young fella? Yeah, so one of the things was the injury report. We just hit that. Uh, pieces of NFL news. Uh, we briefly hit on them today, but uh, Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito taking over uh, New York. By the way, for anyone who's a fan of the Sopranos I think that's his family sitting in the stands watching him I mean it seems it is like an authentic Italian North Jersey family Uh, who grew up Giants fans like 10 minutes from the stadium he lives at home yeah did you Um, see his agent by the way yeah well I was gonna get to the agent that guy is really (laughs) playing into his agent
4: looked like Kaiser Soze from the usual suspects
1: (laughs) yeah there's no way that guy dresses like that it was it was great
3: I I believe and for uh, from an Eagles perspective certainly hope that all of this glory is short-lived and that he— you uh, Eagles still have to play them
1: twice in three I know, weeks. that he returns down to earth. And, Does he turn and into
4: a pumpkin, or is there another right, food that, that he turns yeah, into? Yeah. Well, another we'll, fruit.
1: Yeah. Uh, another bit of NFL news. Uh, Brandon Staley uh, oh. goes, goes out allowing 63 points in Vegas, and I think he was fired before the plane landed.
3: Was he the guy who the Eagles wanted to talk to him and he would not fly across Correct. the country? Because of he, Howie Roseman. Let's say it. That Look. was that.
4: Jeff McLean reported that for us that uh, he didn't want to take a meeting with the Eagles because he didn't want to work with Howie Roseman. How's that working out? Not so good. Not so Eagles well.
1: Dodge, the Staley Bullet, the Ben McAdoo Bullet. I the mean, Josh, yeah. McDaniels, the Josh bullet. McDaniels. Bullet. Tom yeah, Coughlin. Yeah, he's the third coach to get fired this year. The Raiders were another one. Yeah, you know, McDaniels yeah. and uh, Frank Reich. Yeah, in the Eagles Carolina. are like
4: Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. They're just Wah, and the bullets fly by. Yeah. Okay. Well,
3: there and you then, go. All well, right. I was
1: saying my my last one is I was talking to you about this, uh, in Glenn, in the break. I didn't hear it on today's show, uh, but a lot of times when we have a cross country trip like this, uh, you hear a lot. It's tough for teams to play, you know, cross country. So I actually ran the numbers on it. It felt like a sports cliche to me. Teams who travel halfway across the country win like 43% of the time, and all the way across the country win 42% of the time. It's like pretty close to a normal road game. I've never run. And the Seahawks, by the way, what got me thinking about it, it never they always win at the link. I mean, it literally never mattered when Russell Wilson and whoever. Yeah, but it, the, the one, other problem is they always beat the Eagles in Seattle. They did, Well, they beat them in both places. Yes. It, it, so it's It's the one That's team. That's a myth, but the it, Eagles still need to win there. and it still need state. to win that. And Jason Kelsey, it's the one team he's never beaten.
3: That's an interesting Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: I think when was the last time the Eagles beat the Seahawks? I think I was there. I think two thousand eight, like, I think. Two thousand eight, okay. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's the longest drought. I went to a game there, I covered a game there in two thousand two when A. J. Feely beat them. Uh back when the Seahawks weren't bad, when they had Matt Hasselback and yeah. you know, they were they were pretty good, but that was that run that the team went on after. I went to a game here McKnight where I think hurt. the
3: Seahawks beat the Eagles like 38 to nothing. 42 nothing on Monday night. Yeah, they, here, the night right. they
4: honored Reggie White. Yes, I was at that game. Mike got McMahon it. was the starting quarterback in that game. It was
3: all pretty awful. All right, Dan Wilson, nice job by you. Go Birds Radio with James and Elliott. Coming up next from Parks. There you go. I will be here with Jody Mack tomorrow at 10 in the morning. Mike, enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Stay tuned right here to 94 WIP.